This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Friday afternoon. Got a lot to dive into. We'll potentially be joined by PJ Zuko and Cam Urshery at some point. I know these guys getting busy, getting ready for some high school basketball coming up tonight, but also i just like to give PJ hell as he gets set up here as the show has already started. No, I control the microphones today. Cam's not in the studio, PJ. All right, go ahead. So am I good? Am I on? Yeah, right. you, you are on the air. Well, hi. hi. You're, you're live. You're not going to ask me. Uh, yeah, hey, perfectly hey, right at the hey, right first time, time and everything. First time, long time. Uh, how, how are y'all today? Oh, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, I I think I got here right at time. No, right you're on good. Time. Uh, Cam sending me a message. He's like, oh, I had to reboot my computer. It's amazingly convenient how all of these things Just start, kind of time start out. to happen. Who has to reboot like a brand new Mac besides no one? So the... Uh, the excuse is coming here early. You guys start the weekend uh, a little bit early here. I not have an excuse here. at all. Listen, PJ arrives precisely when he means to. Right, That's Gandalf. the saying, right? All right, Gandalf. Yeah. I don't know if, if you, if a wizard would be the species from Lord of the Rings that I would compare you to. What does that in mean? In terms of stature. Oh, man, do you think I'm an Ent? No. Oh. It's going to go more towards the Hobbit side. Oh, I gotcha. I there gotcha. All right, but anyway, uh, we got some college football to talk today. I know you're like, well, college football's been over for a while. Now we get NFL playoffs. Listen, the world of college football, especially in the era of transfer portal uh, and NIL, never sleeps. Plus, we have signing day 2.0 coming up in just a few weeks here. So we're getting closer and closer uh, to signing day and seeing and finalizing how these classes are going to wind up. Texas A&M, obviously, I think far and away, uh, the winners for that one. But Alabama, Georgia still fighting for some big-time prospects out there that are still on the board. But the news of the day, Derek Mason, uh, Auburn defensive coordinator, headed out to take over the defensive coordinator spot at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator shipping up to Ohio State, so just some coaching shuffling going on right now. But it's interesting because I don't know about you, PJ, that I would consider that a step up. I mean, you're at Auburn, yeah, it's in the SEC. You're making a lot of money in one of the premier schools inside of college football. I mean, I guess Oklahoma State just played for a conference championship, true, and, and lost like last seconds. But still, I mean, if you're ranking hierarchy of college football, what would you consider a better job? I, I'd say that is now. I respect Oklahoma State. I think a bit, bit more than a lot of people, but I, I would call that a lateral move. Okay. I'd call that lateral. I would call it like a slightly declining move. I think like if you're in the top of the Big Twelve, you're pretty much right in the middle of the but SEC. Are, are they right? the top? I mean, of, are they like, the top of the Big Twelve, or do they just like happen in a down year for a couple of big time schools happen to jump up there, win their side? Oklahoma like, State's what, pretty much always up there. What percentage would you? What percentage chance would you give them of making it back to the conference championship next year? A good, a good solid, solid percentage chance. Like to, to 80, find solid, like eighty percent chance, something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, PJ's riding with the Cowboys out there, but. I just I found it interesting because you think defensive coordinator position at Auburn, usually the only job you take after that is a head coaching job, and Derek Mason coming over after he gets released from Vanderbilt, uh, goes and takes that over, and it was now both coordinators have been fired at Auburn. Mike Bobo got the axe, and now Derek Mason. Oh, I shouldn't say fired. Both coordinators have moved on. Mike Bobo got the axe. Derek Mason electing to go take over the job at Oklahoma State. And what I find interesting about this PJ is. Before I, I found this out, I thought we could go through next year and not have a coaching change in the SEC because the past couple of years, it's been a lot. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, you had Leach and Kiffin coming in to take over the Mississippi schools. Uh, you've had you had just this past few years, Eli Drinkwitz has come in, Shane Beamer's come in, Josh Heupel's come in. Uh, you've had a ton of movement. Sam Pittman taking over at Arkansas. There's been a ton of movement. Uh, last year was the first year for Brian Harson at Auburn. So you had yeah. all of that, and then you had the coaching changes this offseason with Billy Napier taking over at Florida. Uh, you have Brian Kelly down at LSU, and I'm like, all right, well, okay, who outside of that is left? It's the untouchables, quote-unquote, right? You have Kirby Smart at Georgia. Uh, you have... Nick Saban at Alabama, obviously. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Those guys aren't getting fired. Uh, Mike Stoops, not getting fired. The job he's done with yeah. that Kentucky program, they're not getting fired. But Derek Mason bolting for Oklahoma State. Yeah. That's interesting to me. So now I'm starting to sit there and think, could Brian Harson be coaching for his job in 2022? Ooh. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting point because I, I – we are allowing less and less patience for college coaches in 2021, in 2022. Oh my gosh. I, I, I will say that, you know, over the past five or six years, the leash that, that we've had on college coaches has, has shrunk exponentially. Uh, now, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I mean, I think it's a bad thing, but at the end of the day, that, that doesn't change things. And you're expected to, to win and win all the time in the SEC as well. Uh, so could that happen? Yeah. Would I be surprised and disappointed if if we're looking at him coaching for his job and possibly out the door if he has a rough year? Very much so. Because I I just don't think we give guys chances anymore. And if if there is a chance, it's it's three years, and it's like, well, you should be getting your guys by now, and they should be taking over, and you're still not winning. So see ya. Sorry you can't beat Alabama yet. Like, not a I, lot of people I, can beat Alabama. I don't Alabama, know if you know? that's the problem, though. I don't know if it's sorry you can't beat Alabama. I think it's I just you finished second to last in the yeah, that's rough in the SEC West. Yeah, no, I mean they were a six and six football team at the end of the year. That's not where it's not where you want to go. Yeah. Uh, you lost their bowl game, but they also lost. Now, albeit he wasn't having an insanely great year, well, they he also lost, he lost five in a row. Their you know starting quarterback yeah. their other quarterback was you know kind of in and out and, and injured from time to time as well so they fell on some some rough situations um but agreed as the auburn head coach and as the auburn program you're expected to be doing a lot more than six and seven yeah. for sure well here's where i'm kind of at with it too as cam hops in here with this cam is it possible that next year auburn's the worst team in the sec west Ooh. Uh, that's a hot take, but actually you might be right. Um, Will Rogers is coming back to Mississippi State. Will he know what he can do? Arkansas and Sam Pittman have things cooking up. Ole Miss, Bama, A&M not going anywhere, and Brian Kelly's at LSU. Um, you might actually be right, man. I don't, dang. And that sucks to hear that because it's, you know, it's Auburn and Iron Bowl at the end of the year. You look forward to that, but. You might absolutely be right. I mean, they're tied for the bottom tier team right now in the SEC West, so I wouldn't be shocked if they were there next year again. Yeah, I mean, so just look at what we're we're hearing is Alabama's gone out there and gotten all of these amazing transfers in, and they're Alabama. They already had the guys on campus anyway. Uh, Ole Miss, I would probably have number two. They finished second this past year, but just with what Lane Kiffin's been able to do and reports coming out late yesterday, Lane Kiffin in Athens – potentially to talk to Jermaine Burton and JT Daniels about kind of a package deal over to Ole Miss, which would make sense if what both of them want is playing time and to throw the throw slash catch the football a lot, Ole Miss would make a whole lot of sense. So 
I'd probably have Ole Miss up there. Uh, and then, yeah, you can flip-flop me. Uh, I, I would hear arguments for Texas A&M, Arkansas, and LSU yep. for that for that third-place spot. Yeah. But then, like, those three teams, and then Mississippi State, and then Auburn. I think Mississippi State's a better football team right now than Auburn. Hmm. Agreed. And so, Brian Kelly, or not Brian Kelly, uh, Brian Harson, all of a sudden, sitting there, if he finishes last place in the SEC West next year, he could be done. Yeah. No, very, very like you true. don't hire head coaches at Auburn to finish last in the SEC West. No, especially not. And if you're last place and you're losing all those teams, that that means you're you're probably right there at six and six again, or you know right there even with a losing record. So, yeah, you're. I mean, you're right. It's it's one of those things that too. It's I think at, at the beginning, like we hyped Auburn up so much, and they were supposed to be such a good football team that. Uh, in my own vein, I kind of started at that, and then as the season just went on, it just kind of deteriorated. So, uh, yeah, no, you're exactly right. I still think it'd be a little quick, but, uh, I mean, you can't, like you said, you can't have that program right. just maintaining that same, uh, that, that same kind of result when the status quo is at least, like, I would compare, like, if we're talking about actual results, right, not the tradition and the you know scope of, of them in college football and what people think of them, right? I would compare Auburn a lot to like a Michigan where they're supposed to be around like nine and three. Like their fans, their program expects them to be like nine and three, ten and two every single year. So when you get back to back true. to back six and nation, six seasons, I think the nation expects that. Yeah, I think Auburn fans expect their team to go to the SEC championship. Right. I mean, it's a team that won a national championship in 2010 and went to another one in 2013. Yeah, and I I feel like 2010 is almost it, it was a, you were you it had a seemed, superhuman no, 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 on your okay, football but it team. It seems you know, like, weird now, but with the way the transfer portal works, I think the Cam Newton seasons are gonna not not to that same degree of how good he more. was, but I think you're gonna see more of that. Could a yeah. Caleb Williams go somewhere and transform a team? just in one year with how good he is. Remember what Cam Newton did? I, I, yeah. if, if you ever want to bring this up, I'm going to take time to talk about it. Cam <laughs> That's Newton, why I brought it up. <laughs> yeah, Cam Newton carried an offense that didn't have another player play in the NFL to a national championship. Yeah. Right? But, like So it's uh, it's. I, I think there's a chance we see more and more of that just with the transfer portal rules. But also remember what Cam Newton did. Played at Florida for a year, transferred, won a JUCO national championship, and then went to Auburn. So he was a, he was a junior when he did that. Yeah, the Caleb Williams will be a sophomore, so I mean that's that's the little bit of a differentiator. Cam Newton had to go pay his dues and JUCO, right? And, and that's all I'm saying is like that could happen, but yes, like think about what you just said about him winning a national championship without another NFL type of talent on his team. Like that that is an outlier. Like that's not what every I feel like every football program should expect out of their football team every single year. Like, but okay, but then three, but, but then three years later. You they had go a, back. You had a defensive back right. play quarterback and carry your team to a national championship with Nick Marshall. Did you have two of the most unbelievable plays of all time happen to help you get there with the kick six and the prayer Jordan hair? Sure, but you got there. So when you say Auburn fans expect to go nine and three, I think Auburn fans would say that's a disappointment. I think Auburn fans expect to go eleven and one, twelve and zero, and go to the SEC championship. Right, and you're finishing six and seven. Now, here's the other thing I think is interesting, and which is why I've never been a huge proponent of basing narratives and storylines completely off of box scores and records. Auburn went six and seven last year. South Carolina went seven and six. How different are the perspective for those two schools from from their fans or yes, from us? From the fans and and from us. We're talking I, about Auburn being a dumpster yeah, fire. We're talking saying. about Shane Beamer maybe being huge. coach of the year. Yeah, yeah huge. 
enormous. But and it's one I, game difference. But I mean, yeah, there's one game difference. But like you said, the perspective is a lot different. Yeah. Then again, there are some crazy South Carolina fans out there that were like, man. Okay. Talk about teams that expect, we might have a chance. But talk about teams that have past championship because South Carolina doesn't. South Carolina doesn't have past championship experience. They got a whole bunch of, or not even a whole bunch. They what won three straight SEC East championships during the Spurrier era, but didn't win an SEC title. Yeah. Uh, okay, a better comparison might be Tennessee. Tennessee is a championship right. program. Yeah. And even into the early 2000s, championship level football team, they went seven and six last year. How different is the energy in Knoxville right now than in Auburn? Big, big different. Because of just you know the turnaround, right, and and the and so expectation I, I think, in the offseason. I think like you have you to said. look deeper than the record, and I think you have to look at the transfers, look at what the energy is, is like inside of the program, and look at how teams played. Uh, Tennessee, they yeah they lose the bowl game, but going into that they were seven and five, and a couple plays go a different ways. They were a couple plays away from being a nine win football team. Yeah. Whereas Auburn loses their last five games, and there's just been no pulse really. I mean, like I guess Zach Calzada and whatever the kid's name is out of Oregon. Uh, that came in as the quarterback transfers, maybe. But I don't think the quarterback uh, is where Auburn's had his issues. I think it's been up front for Auburn where they've just been getting decimated and you haven't seen a whole lot of movement in that area. So my thought coming in to today was we might go through a whole year without seeing an SEC coaching change. And now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, if there's going to be a guy, and and the, the only ones I would say maybe that could go somewhere else could be like a Lane Kiffin if an NFL job attracts him. But outside of that, in terms of getting fired, unless like maybe Eli Drinkwitz like falls off a cliff next year with his team, because I kind of think they're trending in the right direction. They've won some recruiting battles. They got the Luther Burden kid, the uh, the big-time five-star wide receiver. They got him to stay home when he was thinking about going to Georgia. So they've won some recruiting battles, and they're going to be feisty uh, in the coming years. So like unless they fall off a cliff, like you got Kentucky bringing in all the Stoopses. <laughs> Like that, Every single one yeah, they can Mike, find. Mike Stoops ain't going anywhere. Clark Lee's just going to do. He went zero and eight at Vanderbilt, two and ten this year. You haven't heard any kind of mumblings whatsoever out of well, Vanderbilt. I mean, that's, that, yeah, and everyone else in the SEC West is on the up and up. Right. I mean, yeah. Nick, Nick Saban ain't going anywhere. Lane Kiffin's going to Sugar Bowls. Sam Pittman is completely transformed to Arkansas just in a couple of years. Mike Leach is the perfect fit at uh, Mississippi State. I mean, maybe if he if he has another down year, they were seven to six this past year. Jimbo Fisher just beat Alabama and has a number one overall recruiting class. And Brian Kelly uh, is trying to do a Mel Tucker at LSU this year and just completely flip the depth chart with transfers uh, in the offseason. So I think there's one coach you're now staring at is Brian Harson. And I, I think with Derek Mason heading off to Oklahoma State, I think the glares have gotten pretty real down at Auburn. We'll have to watch and see how this offseason unfolds. They've got Auburn's gotten some transfers in, but like I said, I think it's going to come down to the line of scrimmage uh, for the Tigers there. we got more to come here on Second Down NFL Playoffs coming up. i got a special edition of No Huddle coming your way a little bit later. We'll dive into that. More college football talk as well when we come back right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. we got the divisional round of the NFL playoffs coming up. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Urshry and PJ Zuko. Glad to have you all with us here on this Friday afternoon. Saturday, football coming up tomorrow, 4.30 p.m. You have the Cincinnati Bengals hitting the road after their big-time wildcard win over the Raiders. First win since before text messaging. Have you gotten tired of that fact yet? Have you, have you gotten tired of that fact yet. No, no, no. I think it's great. I think I think it's great because I think that that that's a good thing for me because that means they weren't successful for a long time. Uh, because you know, 
I'm a Steelers fan, so that's that's awesome. Uh, but uh, no, Ooh, I, d- okay, I just think it's great fact, all in all. Better fact: first playoff victory since before anybody on the show was born. Yes, yes, that's that's fantastic. That's another good one. I mean, right. there's there's a number of different things that you could do. Like they they were coming out with like the what was popular the last time the Cincinnati Bengals got a playoff uh, victory, they, and that, they, that they, stuff they, was kind of cool. Everybody does that for like every win. I saw it after the Georgia national championship. I, was like, I don't need to be reminded that Pac Man. Well, see, you was don't. Invented. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see that because you're a Georgia fan. Well, it's my but show. as non-Bengals fans, it's pretty funny. I want to talk about it. <laughs> Stop making this about Georgia. Sorry. I, we're talking I about the Bengals. Tend to do that. No, we're talking about NFL playoff picks. We're going to dive into them here, and we're going to start with the Bengals at the Tennessee Titans. Cincinnati coming off that big win against the Raiders. Titans coming off the news that they get Derrick Henry back for this game. I always look at it from the college perspective, and they're going to talk about this more on three and out. Two of the greatest seasons ever from Joe Burrow and Derrick Henry in terms of college football. Derrick Henry, over 2,000 yards rushing, Heisman Trophy winner. Joe Burrow, maybe the best passing season of all time yeah. when he did it. So we got we got those two former Heisman winners going head-to-head here. Cam, we'll start with you. Titans, Bengals, who wins and why? Uh, i say the Titans. Um, I'll just say it's like it's levels to everything, and... Derrick Henry coming back, that experience they got for the Titans, their defense is top five, their offense, it's top five, top ten-esque when Derrick Henry's back. Julio's healthy. A.J. Brown is a top ten receiver. And I love the Bengals, but it's a lot of experience on that team. And they've been to the AFC Championship, and they're trying to get back there and ultimately to the Super Bowl. So that's why I take the Titans. I would love to go with the Bengals here, and I'd love to be for it to be like a shootout and a, an exciting type of ball game, but uh, I think he kind of mentioned it there. It's not so much Derrick Henry. It's more about the Titans' defense and the lack of kind of defense there for the Bengals. Uh, I mean, you let Oakland score some points on you, and, and let's let's be real, like Oakland is a good football team. I don't think they're on the same level as Tennessee right now. So it's tough. I think it's a close game. I, I think Derrick Henry maybe takes some time to get back in the groove, but their running game's been pretty good even without him. Uh, so... Give me one of those ugly, kind of gross Tennessee wins where they play really good defense. Ryan Tannehill throws for like a buck fifty, and they end up winning. It's interesting that you say that about the Raiders and then the Titans. Care to guess where the Raiders were rated in the regular season in terms of points per game? Mm. I don't know. Were they not they're, great? They're top probably 10. top five. Well, there you go. In they're probably in top five. offense or no points per game given up? What were they? Top five? Top ten. You know who's not? Yeah. Tennessee Titans. Really? Hmm. I will say this, though. Tennessee has played probably the hardest schedule in the NFL. And they've beaten all the top teams outside of, I think, two two teams. They've beaten Buffalo. They beat the heck out of Kansas City. And they beat the heck out of the Rams. That's a nice resume right there. I can't admit that. Okay, going with the quarterbacks, though, which team do you feel like has the better quarterback? Oh, Joe Burrow. Yeah, Cincinnati. Oh, yep. yeah, that's easy. Yeah, Agreed. Cincinnati. Okay, and, and Cincinnati in terms of points per game is better than the Tennessee Titans. In, oh, to- yeah. it, in terms of points per game, but I think they, they could possibly make more negative plays for Cincinnati. And- who, is a, who is a better wide receiver, Julio Jones or Jamar Chase? Oh, God. That's right now, probably Jamar Chase. Right now, Jamar, but. I would say A.J. Brown is 
kind of doing what Jamar Chase is doing, though, too. A.J. Brown is kind of like, he's, man, he's the real deal. I can't lie. He's he's emerged. I will give him that. I think Jamar it's Chase tough. is one of like the top five or six wide receivers in the NFL right I now. I completely agree. Like, yeah. Already. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I'm agree. with you there. I agree. I give Tennessee the benefit of the doubt because they did beat Why? Lamar when Lamar was hot. They what? beat Lamar. They are, they've already beat Lamar twice in two playoff games, like twice. And that's when Lamar won MVP. And they were 14 and 2. But so this why, Tennessee team. Why are you capable. giving them the benefit of the doubt, though? No, I mean, I give them this benefit of the doubt. They've gone the whole season without Julio Jones, without Derrick Henry. And they have the best record in the AFC right now. And I've seen the Beagles lose to Mike White in the Jets, um, uh, Andy Dalton, Chicago Bears. And they lost to Case Keenum with the Browns, 41-16. And then they lost to the Browns again at the end of the year. Those are four really bad losses. I don't see a bad loss on Tennessee's resume, maybe outside of the Jets game, where they didn't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. I don't know. I think the I think the, the Bengals, they're going to go in there and get it done. That'd be great. I like Joe Burrow. I like Jamar Chase. I like that Bengals defense. Yeah. Okay. I'll take, I'll take the Bengals. All right, moving on. A little bit later that night, as we stick here, just going through our NFL playoffs. I can't believe you guys are going against a guy in Joe Burrow who has never lost a gotta-have-it game, whether it's in the NFL or now in college football. And now he's going to lose it to Ryan Tannehill. Apparently. Uh, a <laughs> little bit later that night on Fox, you have the 49ers coming off smacking the Dallas Cowboys, taking on Cam's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Cam? Uh, this is a bad matchup uh, for Green Bay, actually. <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. Not yeah. again, Cam. No, nah, I mean, no. I'm picking Green Bay to win by a touchdown. Uh, it's something about those 49ers. Those dudes play hard regardless who's their quarterback. They win with anybody. I mean, I think Shanahan has had five, rush, five different running backs in the past five years lead his team in rushing like they're physical but i'll take green bay by a touchdown all right i'm gonna say it again and uh say it you know hopefully this works out better than last week but listen we're not dealing with the cowboys this week okay it's the packers they've been there before they know how to win in the playoffs yeah they're gonna run away with this one i know I've, i've seen a lot of different people say that if anyone has a blueprint or the script or the personnel to beat the packers it's the 49ers but you know what Aaron Rodgers is going to go out there. He's going to light it up, and they're going to win like 27 to 7. It's going to happen. They're going to win. Packers. Okay. <laughs> just researching this game, the thing that sticks out to me the most is just how different the two offenses are. San Francisco is 29th in the NFL in pass attempts. 29th in the NFL in pass attempts. Like seven per game? Hey, apparently, <laughs> Green Bay is a little bit more towards the middle tier because they've found a running game this year. Uh, they are 15th uh, in the NFL, but they're 11th in the NFL in completions, where the 49ers are 26th. But rushing yards, San Francisco is 7th in the NFL. Green Bay is way down at 18. Mm. Got to run the football. Yeah. And Debo Samuel, the way he's come on. Oh, no. But to me, it's the playoffs. Okay. It always comes down to two right. things. Throwing the football and rushing the guy who's throwing the football. I right. think Green Bay can do both of those things just a little bit better. There you go. And it's Aaron Rodgers at home. 
uh, in a blizzard, hopefully. Yeah, 815 at Lambeau. Uh, Yeah, I'll take the Packers here. I just think Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo is about as deep into that matchup as you need to go. All right, Sunday, I think it's going to be much better than Saturday. You got Rams, Buccaneers kicking things off at 3 o'clock over at NBC. Uh, The Rams coming off of just turning Kyler Murray into a meme, I guess is the best way uh, to put that. They're taking on the undisputed heavyweight champ of the world, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cam, which way are you leaning in this one? I'll take the Rams. I think Brady and them are just decimated a little too much, and that Rams defense is scary good. So I'll take the Rams in this one. It is scary, and it's... uh... It's difficult to bet against Tom Brady at all. Um, but I feel like when you have that many injuries and things like that, it's it's got to catch up to you at some point, right? And I have said from the beginning of the playoffs that I've uh, been kind of wanting the Rams to, to make this run, and I, I believe in them too. I think they're hitting their stride at the right time. I think that defense can cause problems for Tom Brady, including, of course, Aaron Donald, but everybody else on the defense as well. Did you just combine Aaron Donald Aaron Donald, and Sam Darnold? Let's not talk about the things <laughs> that I'm saying. Let's just keep keep moving on. All right. um, anyway, the gist of it is I think the Rams are going to come away with a victory. Uh, I, yeah. Wait, so, Cam, did you pick the Rams here too? Yeah, he did. Oh, uh, yeah. I the Rams. It's not good. And, and I'll put it like this. They played earlier this season, and they whooped up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whooped them. So, oh, but what, happened to, see, that's what the, happened to the whole, it's real hard to beat the same team twice. I ain't going with that. I like with the Rams. <laughs> this is the NFL. I'm not doing that this time. It's so, well, that's where it comes from, PJ. It's just it's so hard to beat the same team twice. Nah, it, you, it is, though. You play it everybody is. twice, so they're the used to it. the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. They're used to it. If you're, better, if you're the better football team, you're the better football team. Uh... God, goodness gracious. Uh, I think the Rams won a close one. I, it makes me uncomfortable because all three of us beat the Rams. Uh, yeah. One thing to watch out for this one is going to be a frigid 58 degrees down in Tampa Bay. Dang, man. That's nice. They're going to need their snowsuits. Frigid. What are they doing? How about two teams that just aren't equipped to deal with that? No. Los Angeles and Tampa Bay, 58 degrees. I hope those guys are okay. Uh, the fans are going to be loving it, though. All right. Later on that evening, 6.30 on CBS, Bills, Chiefs. You have a couple of MVPs, Josh Allen uh, and Patrick Mahomes, going head-to-head here. Patrick Mahomes coming off of a filthy playoff performance, 404 yards, five touchdowns. But Josh Allen in a blizzard coming off of a pretty filthy one himself. Two of the hottest quarterbacks in the NFL at the moment. Cam, which way are you leaning? I, I will go Chiefs by like three points. Uh, the Bills already beat them earlier this year, and I feel like Josh Allen and them are really inconsistent, and I think Patrick Mahomes remembers that embarrassing loss they had against the Bills, and they'll avenge that in this playoff run. I think it's, it's once again, it's levels and in order for Josh Allen to make that next step, you've got to get through Mahomes, but not this year. Yeah, and uh, you know, so, some for hey, for some people, the next step never really comes, right? And I admit, most of the time it's because there's Damn, a team... DJ. Sorry, most Damn, of the time, PJ. because there's a team Damn, or two. Why, you're just like, we're trying to be encouraging out here on a Friday. <laughs> and TJ drops, for some people, the next step never comes. It's just true, man. Damn. And some, most of the time, it's because there's a team that just won't get out no, of the that's, way. No, that's beyond sports. That feels like you were just like, you were talking to people in life. Like, somebody was, like, going to walk into their boss and ask for a raise, and you just, like, discourage them from doing that. 
Why? Why are you no, out here discouraging no, people, well, no, DJ? In, in, that, in that case, like, you need to take the next step. Go ahead and do it. I'm not talking about you. No. Some people, though, that like, the listen, the door just gets shut, okay? And, Again? <laughs> just pick the pick. I get us depressed here on a Friday. Oh, man. That's what you pay me for. Um, I don't pay, pay you at all. A lot of times, it's because... There's a team that's standing in the way, and that team is the Kansas City Chiefs. They're hitting their stride, like I said about the Rams, kind of at the perfect time. Um, you know, I know they had a couple iffy games throughout the regular season, but there to close out the year, uh, they've been playing fantastic, and uh, they, they made the best team in the playoffs. The Steelers look like fools there last week in the second half. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs in this one. 7-10, uh, 7-10 points. Man, this one... I feel like the Bills are the more physical football team, but Patrick—it's hard to pick against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill at home. I think it's gonna be, yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit closer than most people think, but I do think the Chiefs pull it out because they're at home. All right, PJ, you're our program guy. How many of these games? The how many of these games were we carrying on the radio this weekend? Oh man, um, most of them. Most of them. Uh, let's break it down by market. <laughs> if you're listening in Savannah, Georgia, this weekend, listen. Okay, I. Uh, I'm pretty sure. PJ, this is like tomorrow. No, I know, and I'm. Th- that's why, like, I was late to the commercial break because I'm working on tomorrow right now, and I'm also working on the show. Uh, so I, I was doing tomorrow uh, a couple minutes ago. So for Savannah, you're you're gonna have, uh, I think the later NFL games, but you're gonna have college basketball before that. Okay. And for Brunswick, you're gonna have, I believe, all the football games. Cool. So what about Sunday? Sunday's Sunday's wild, man. I no normally uh, I'll, Sunday you should have all the football games. There's a lot of shoulds in this. <laughs> Listen, man. all right. So to recap, though, you got Georgia basketball in Savannah tomorrow early in the afternoon, and then after that you will have 49ers and Packers. If you're listening in Brunswick, you will have Bengals, Titans, 49ers, Packers on Saturday, and then all markets will have Rams, Buccaneers, Bills, and Chiefs coming up on Sunday. So you had it right there the whole time. No. Oh, okay. Uh, I will say that you give me this commercial break, and I should have just previewed it, right? Yeah, a little you teaser me, here. Yeah, even this commercial break, I'll come back, and all those shoulds will be gone. PJ will let you know what's coming up on ESPN <laughs> Radio this weekend. And, again, if I'm if I'm right about what I just said, just come back and say Christian was right, and we'll be good to go. I don't know if I can say that. Well, I will. We'll be right back here on Second Down. <laughs> Second Down, getting you ready for the divisional round Playoffs coming up this weekend. PJ Zuko here to let you know what you're going to be able to hear here Hey-o. on ESPN Radio. Yeah, so uh, I can't say you were right because I'm not going to lie. I didn't hear what you said for the first part can, of can Saturday. Can I try it? Can I try it? Sure, go ahead. All right. So in both markets, we will have Duke. Wait, 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 wait. No. No, no. Because you just talked to Kevin. Hold on. I, yeah, but yeah, I was yeah. right. I'll tell you what I said. Nah. In both markets tomorrow at noon, we'll have Duke, Syracuse. After that in Savannah, we got Georgia basketball coming up for you. And then later that night, we'll have divisional round playoffs for you. In Brunswick and Waycross, we got all the NFL games. And you're telling me that you knew that. I, that's that's I, what I you said last night. I knew segment. everything about except the Duke basketball. And okay. I knew huh. everything but that. Okay. But no, Cam, that's right. Yeah. Cam, how familiar are you with a little game we like to play called No Huddle? About Madden. I just, you know. All right. Well, ba- no okay. So you're, so you're already 
Uh, you're already doing pretty okay here. Uh, no Huddle is a zombified game that we <laughs> stole from the cemetery of three and out. Uh, basically, the way this works is I have seven questions. You have three and a half minutes between you and PJ to answer all of them. So this is not a segment where you go, let me expunge upon my thoughts. I need a quick answer to all of these questions. <laughs> PJ and I did this before the national championship. PJ started off like the Wisconsin offense, finished like Bryce Young. So you feel you feel pretty comfortable here. Not really. You got to give me a second to get going. The first answer is going to be long, and then I'm going to I'm going to tune myself down. Well, now you have two people answering. So the rest we of the go. way. No, I know. I'm going to try. All I, right. Listen, I'm going to do what I get. So we're going to put this ball. How how far are we driving here? We're not. 85 yards, starting from the 15? Sure, yeah, right, that sounds we're, great. We're starting we, from the 15. we, we got a holding penalty. we, we got yeah. to get in the end zone, so we're going to kick this off here. No huddle here on second down. Buckle up and hold on tight. It's the no huddle on second down. Three, two, one. All right, who would you rather have on your playoff team, Joe Burrow, Derrick Henry, or Aaron Donald? Pete, you go first. Oh, holy cow. Um... Right now, Aaron Donald. Donald. Don, Aaron Donald. Period. Is just dominate the other side of the of the other team's offense and uh, disrupt their flow in the running game and possibly the passing game. Give me him. Yeah, I have to go with PJ. Aaron Donald, best player in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, first time uh, he's the only player to make first team All Pro seven years in the rolling NFL history. Give me Aaron Donald. All right. Best unit, offense or defense, left in the playoffs? Oh, man. Um, Kansas City's offense still. Kansas City's offense. Respect that. Man, I would actually have to go Green Bay's offense. They don't turn over the ball. So I would go Green Bay's offense. I think it's hard to argue with either one of those. Who throws for the most yards this weekend? Um... Yeah, I'll go with actually Aaron Rodgers to, to go with uh, Cam's guy there. I'll, I'll go with uh, Aaron Rodgers surprising San Francisco and going off. I will go with the team that doesn't like to run the ball, and that would be Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That's all they literally do is pass the ball. Who is the I best? Don't know if all right, who is the best remaining wide receiver? Cam, go ahead. <laughs> Cam has uh, a pained look on his face. I'm stuck between Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, but give me Devontae Adams. I think he's more of like, he's harder to stop in my opinion because he has Aaron Rodgers as his QB. No Stephon Diggs, no Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, nope. that's that's rough. I think just because of his, like, I like big-bodied wide receivers, and I think he uses it extremely well, so I'll go with Adams too. All right, moving on here. As I pull it up, there you go. Uh, which team replacing their head coach has the best chance of making the playoffs next year? Oakland Raiders. And they're in the playoffs this year. That's a good pick. Yeah. Giants are oh, dumpster man. fire. Jaguars jump dumpster fire. Like yep. it's gonna take time for them to turn around. I, I would go Oakland, but I actually would go to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, they have a lot of draft picks. And they left off on the right note, eight and one in, in, in their last nine. Just got to get two healthy. That's it. All right, best remaining uniform in the playoffs. Oh my gosh! Gotta go. I know. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals. Actually, I uh, love how they they redesigned it and simplified it. Respect. I, I think they're clean. Cam. 
I'm in love with Green Bay's uniforms because the G, you know, Georgia has this G down here, and their G is just, you know, green and you got, uh, green. We gotta and yellow. go. We gotta go. Is there a better atmosphere in the NFL playoffs than Lambeau? No. Cam? No, absolutely nope. not. <laughs> All right. Not now, yeah. not never. With just a few seconds to spare, you guys found the end zone. Let's go. Well done, Cam, for your first time. You guys were moving and clicking and vibing. There's a few times you got stuck there, kind of like Dak Prescott running and sliding in the middle of the field uh, <laughs> with no time left on the clock. I thought you guys might have come up a little bit short, uh, but you guys did a pretty good job. Uh, let's run back through these real quick so I can tell you what's actually correct. Uh, who would you rather have on your playoff team, Joe Burrow, Derek Henry, or Aaron Donald? I think it's Joe Burrow. I think when it comes to impact on a team, quarterback is hard to argue with. But I think if there's any player in the NFL that you could argue is maybe as impactful as a quarterback. It's Aaron Donald just because of the devastation and havoc he causes. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's Joe Burrow. But you guys know I'm team Joe Burrow. Uh, best sure. unit offense or defense left in the playoffs? Rams defense. I'm going to go. Rams, That's what I was debating with. Rams yeah. defense, I think, is the best unit left. Who throws for the most yards this weekend? That one's tough. Because I feel like weather's going to pl have a lot to do with what we're seeing this weekend. I want to pick somebody from the Rams, Buccaneers, but I also feel like those guys, those teams are going to try to run the football a little bit. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Couldn't agree more. Give me Patrick Mahomey uh, in that one. Uh, who Don't is the me. best remaining wide receiver? I mean, it's hard to argue against the guy who's leading the league in like almost every single receiving category. Oh, he won the triple crown. He's he's leading the league in every category. Yeah, Cooper Cup. It, it's hard to argue against that. I know Mike Evans has been a little bit banged up though, and Mike Evans is that guy, mm -hmm. and he is really hard to guard. But in just in terms of being a pure wide receiver, I'll take Jamar Chase. Uh, okay. Which team replacing their head coach has the best chance of making the playoffs next year? This one is tough. I feel like the easy answer here is the Raiders. Yeah, that's why I went with them. Right, like that. I mean, cause they were literally in the playoffs, but also that division, not great this year. You know, just to uh, just to flip it around a little bit here, talking about the situation they have, talking about potentially being able to come back, t guys already have on their team, I'll take the Vikings. Okay, see, I, I forgot about the yeah, Vikings, I'll if take, I'm being honest. I'll take the Vikings. Best remaining uniform in the playoffs. Guys, it's the 49ers, and it's not really close. Ugh. I think the 49ers have the best uniform in the NFL. Uh, that one's not really close. And I don't really like the Packers uniforms yeah. ever either. Like, I don't think that's good. Mm. Buccaneers I, uniforms suck. The Rams uniforms are fine, I guess. They're growing on me they a little bit. To, they, were, they used to be so much better, though. Yeah, of course. They used to be Completely so much better. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't think it's particularly close. I like KC's uniforms as well. They're classic. But, I mean, the 49ers, the gold and the red, that's just that's I'm, pretty. There's that's certain pretty. color combinations I've never liked. And, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, 49ers, Green Bay, that's yeah. all the traditional ones. Like, sure. those are all the combinations that right. I really don't like. And then much. is there a better atmosphere in the NFL playoffs than Lambeau Field? That one's tough. A few that I would throw out there, though. Arrowhead, I think, is pretty elite. Yeah. Uh the Mercedes-Benz Superdome down in New Orleans, I I think that's super underrated in terms of how loud and how crazy it gets. Uh, I'm forgetting what Seattle Stadium, NRG Stadium yeah. in yeah. Seattle. That might I thought be, we were. That might be the. Yeah. That might be the one. That, that one's like, nasty, yeah. and I'll take yeah. a and uh, Gillette. Gillette's pretty filthy as well. Yeah, it, and it, I don't know why, but it's underrated. Yeah, like people don't talk about that enough. Yeah. Now, what a but, home field advantage but that to, is. To come back to it, no, there is not a better atmosphere than a cold Lambeau field in the NFL playoffs. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up, second down, get you ready for three and out next.
Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Got a big edition of three and out coming up for you next. BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, and Kevin Thomas taking you into the weekend. Talk about some uh, some Joe Burrow action to start off the show there. How about that? Looky there. They are coming over to the Church of Joe Burrow. I appreciate that. Uh, they're also going to co- catch up with Ramon Foster, former uh, Tennessee volunteer and Steelers offensive lineman, uh, now with 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. And then at 3.30, going to catch up with Josh Edwards from CBS Sports, talking Jaguars and Falcons draft uh, a little bit later in the show. Of course, take three as they do every single day. And then we'll catch up with former Georgia and New England Patriots tight end Jermaine Wiggins in the 5 o'clock hour. So a packed show coming up on 3 and Out. You can catch all of our shows, all the 3 and Out shows, Green, White, and Checkered, Back 9 Boys, anything we do here. On ESPN Radio, you can check us out on ESPN Coastal's Spotify, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Catch all the shows there. Hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Enjoy some NFL playoff football, and we'll talk to all y'all on Monday. Good to have you here on this Friday. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop on this Friday. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile device with the ESPN app. Also, Uh, We are live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Busy show today. We'll hear from Ramon Foster, 105, the zone in Nashville. Also former Tennessee Vol and Pittsburgh Steeler offensive lineman Josh Edwards of CBS Sports will join us. He uh, handles some draft for CBS Sports. We'll take a look at his first mock draft coming up here in our number one. We'll also look at who are the the top five guys out there on the draft big board. We'll do that in hour number two. And Jermaine Wiggins is going to join us in the final hour of the program. Former Georgia and New England Patriots tight end uh, will join a Super Bowl champion uh, as well. We'll talk to him about, obviously, Georgia and their success, but also the NFL playoffs as they continue to roll on once again. But, fellas, good to have you here on this Friday. Looks like we're in for a cold weekend, which, hey, that means it's a good weekend to stay inside and watch playoff football. So uh, you have that going on, but uh, Joe Burrow, a chance uh, BJ and Ben to make a statement this weekend. Christian brought up an interesting point. Joe Burrow uh, through college and now his one chance in the pros. Undefeated in win it or go home football games. Obviously a win uh, coming up this weekend. And the Bengals will be in the conference championship game in Joe Burrow's second season. His first completed start to finish uh, full season in the National Football League. Oh, man, I think it's really fascinating. One of the more fascinating storylines of the weekend is kind of the rise of Joe Burrow. And, you know, you come in out of LSU, you go undefeated, one of the best offenses in college football history, maybe one of the best teams, and the expectations are so immense. And then you have an injury, unfortunately, in year one, and Ben, here he is, your first playoff win for the Bengals in a generation. Uh, You're talking about a win over your Titans, and that's going to be tough. I mean, that's a heck of a defensive challenge, but a win over your Titans and you're in the AFC championship game. And I thought that was a really good point Christian made yesterday, talking about the fact that not only has Joe Burrow earned the nickname uh, Big Game Joe, but in winner go home games, he's been near perfect. I mean, you go back to the national championship game, uh, the finish of his career against Clemson absolutely lights out. You go back to the semifinal game against Oklahoma that year, what, seven touchdowns in the first half or whatever it was, 400 yards passing, whatever it was. And then in his playoff debut, uh, debut smooth, uh, what, 250 yards, two touchdowns. So this guy's been great. And, uh, you know, you've seen a number of quarterbacks go from kind of being superstars in the SEC to immediate success at the next level. And, and Burrow's the next in line. And I think 
from an overall profile standpoint, Ben, if you couple what he did at LSU with in his first full healthy season, a run to the AFC championship game, you're talking about a pretty special profile for Joe Burrow and got to get past Tennessee first. And that's going to be quite the challenge. The Titans, the number one overall seed, but big game Joe Burrow's got a chance to make quite the statement this weekend. Yeah, and, and Kevin and BJ, one thing that uh, you know you can appreciate about Joe Burrow is he plays his best in the biggest games. BJ, you talk about some of the games he had his best work against. You talk about against uh, you talk about what he did against George in the SEC championship game. You talk about what he did in the college football playoff. But when everybody thought, when everybody said that Joe Burrow was going to Cincinnati, you thought, okay, he's going to be a good player on a really, really bad team. They don't give him a left tackle. He missed the season, and people go, here we go again. You give him what he needs, not just on the offensive line, but on the, but on the outside with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and, and and company. These boys got one of the best tandems in the best tandems in the uh, National Football League, and he plays with that confidence. Some some people say it's borderline cocky. But he said, "You guys." He said, "You guys." Uh, he said, "You guys need to uh, get used to this." I mean, I know that Andy Dalton had success, right? He had success when he was in Cincinnati, but not, uh, but not of this caliber. So I do think BJ and Kevin, when you look at a guy like Joe Burrow, that's why quarterbacks go as high as they do. That's why you, you, you know, uh, that's why you, you know, uh, you kind of might be betting the farm when you talk about these guys. Because if you lose, well, you probably in a losing franchise anyway. But if you win. And you get a guy that's still that's still under his rookie deal. You get a chance to go out there and make some noise for years to come. So yes, BJ, the uh, the legend known as Joe Burrow is only growing. And the last thing they want to do is let them boys make it to the AFC Championship game because now you playing with house money with a bunch of bunch a bunch of guys at 21, 22 who not supposed to be having this much success this early. And I, I mean, it's hard to project, right? And and you know we'll get more into the draft talk in the coming weeks, but. When you look at great college quarterbacks, and Joe Burrow is one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. His 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 uh, final season in Baton Rouge, what over five thousand yards passing, sixty passing touchdowns, set a new single season passer rating mark. I think two hundred one, uh, up near seventy seven percent completions, and did it against Georgia, did it against Alabama, did it against Clemson. But it's hard to project. Okay, especially if you're going at the top of the draft to a bad team, how long is it going to take you to potentially transform? that franchise into a winner. I mean, you look at Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. It, it's going to take a couple of years, you would think, and and I, I think everybody, rightfully so, still believes in Trevor Lawrence. But what Joe Burrow has done, I, I, I don't think is fully appreciated enough. And I know people really revere his last season at LSU, but not only did he win the national championship, win the Heisman, but he was at his best consistently against the toughest opponents, the biggest stages on his schedule. Again, what he did in the college football playoff was unheard of. Lit up Georgia in the SEC title game. Just went off against Alabama in Tuscaloosa in a game where they needed, what, every single one of those 45 points to win that game. And then to turn around, you have the injury early, but right away have the Bengals, not the Bengals knocking on the door of the AFC championship game. It's really remarkable. And I think even if Cincinnati loses tomorrow, you're still talking about uh, a franchise that is well-positioned to be a contending one for years to come, and and it doesn't uh, change what Burroughs accomplished. But if Cincinnati wins, and I'm not calling for it, Ben, I think I think Tennessee, especially with Derrick Henry looking like he's going to be back, uh, they're 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 well deserving as the number one seed. But what I mean, that would be incredible from Joe Burrow. 
It would, and I, th I think, listen, Joe Brower has a lot of Russell Wilson in him. I mean, nobody – we knew how good Russell Wilson was coming out of college. Nobody thought that he would do that for a franchise like Seattle. Seattle has been a, a playoff contender year in and year out because of Russell Wilson brings to the table. Joe Burrow has that in him as well. He's coming from a big-time program. He understands what it takes to get it done. So I think that at the end of the day, yes, BJ, if Cincinnati can get past them Titans, I think they could be anybody left in this tournament. And again, yeah, Joe Burrow, uh, again, building the legacy for himself. And, and Ben, you know, that's where uh, legacies are made. You can be a great regular season quarterback. Uh, you could be an average regular season quarterback. You show up in the postseason, it changes everything. Uh, what, what were people saying? I, again, Ben, I know you, you make fun of me because I'm not the biggest Joe Flacco guy uh, out there, but like Joe Flacco was a solid quarterback in the regular season, but when he had success, he got it done in the postseason, all of a sudden, Joe Flacco became this thing, uh, and you look at the regular season, I think Eli Manning, to some extent, was kind of like that where the Giants were up and down and all over the place, and everybody's like, Eli Manning, you should be you know, consistently better than this, but at the end of the day, he's got two Super Bowls. He's got just as many as Big Brother, and certainly nobody was better than Peyton Manning in the regular season. Uh, so I think you look at Joe Burrow, and yeah, if you can have something happen here in the postseason, legacy already starting to get made there. That's what you can do early in your career, and you'll start hearing that, oh, he's going to bring home a Super Bowl. You'll hear that talk, I'm sure, starting if he gets him to a, an AFC championship. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. Cincinnati's going to win a Super Bowl while Joe Burrow's the quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look at what the postseason uh, has done at least a little bit for the Josh Allens. Not even making it to the big thing, but just getting Buffalo in and winning and advancing just a little bit. So, yeah, legacies, I think, could get made in the postseason if uh, Joe Burrow gets it done again. Uh, in this round to get to the AFC Championship game. Uh, shoot, after 30 years of no playoff wins, they might start uh, putting the cast out there for that uh, that Joe Burrow statue. Be like, hey, man, not since Boomer Esiason if we had anything to get this excited about. Well, and Kevin, you've been talking about how this has been a year in sports where the streaks are getting broken. I mean, would it make sense then for the AFC title game to be Cincinnati and Buffalo uh, with, a, with, with a chance at yeah. the Super Bowl on the line? Somebody's got to break something, right? Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, I think that could be. I mean, it's just it's kind of how it's worked out, right? That uh, people who have uh, had some long streaks and some things happening have had opportunities to go out there and change the course of their franchise's history. I just, I just know that Kevin and BJ, once again, you talk about the quarterback position. and BJ, you're talking about what if it is Buffalo and Cincinnati. Josh Allen, remember him? Wyoming. You talk about Joe Burrow. You talk about these young quarterbacks that's coming in and getting it done early. And I know that shouldn't be the barometer, right? We shouldn't be basing everybody everybody off what these guys are doing. But, Kevin, you said it. I mean, what? They popping they popping bottles. And when I say popping bottles, I'm talking about beer bottles. When, when, when Cleveland got their first win, we ain't too many, many years removed. Once they get their first win, we're going to be popping these kegs. Joe Burrow said, give me a give me an offensive tackle. Give me some offensive help, and we'll make it to the playoffs. The boys got a chance to get make some things happen. And I think they're the most dangerous team left in it because Kevin, once again, they too young to understand how big this is. Jamar Chase just broke the rookie record for most receiving yards. You got T. Higgins. Oh, and you still got Joe Mixon. All these boys are 22, 23, 24 years old. They could be getting ready to take the league over if they get past these Titans. We've got so much to get to here on 3 and Out. Ramon Foster. 105, 104.5. I'll get a spit out here in a minute. 104.5, the zone in Nashville. Also, former Vols Steelers offensive lineman. He will join us. Josh Edwards will join us in about 20 minutes as well here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.
Hey, I'm Brad Stewart, former Georgia Tech wide receiver and former Benedictine receiver, and you're listening to Three and Out with DJ Ben and Kevin. Good to have you along here, Three and Out, on this Friday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. NFL playoffs going on this weekend at Tennessee. And Cincinnati going to be a good one there. Joining us here, former Steelers and Tennessee Vols offensive lineman now with 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. Ramon Foster joins us here on 3 and Out. Ramon, welcome to 3 and Out. How are you? Man, I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me on. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Obviously, in Nashville, the big news is uh, what Derrick Henry uh, going to be back this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's all pointing towards that. I think they probably released that statement real soon if they hadn't already. I've been a little logged off, so everybody's pretty much expecting. I've talked to people who are you know around the league and especially in the Cincinnati area, and they are operating as if number 22 would be in the backfield for the Tennessee Titans. And this fan base down here and just everybody who's a fan of the game seems to be pretty much excited about this. From a workload standpoint, obviously hasn't played in since uh, uh, since Halloween, I believe. What do you think would be a reasonable number of carries or touches for Derrick Henry tomorrow? I honestly, excuse me, I honestly don't think they're going to put him on a pitch count. Um, and if they do, they have a guy behind the Deontay Foreman who's honestly a very similar body type, and they were able to sustain their run game as good as anybody I've ever seen who lost the starting running back as far as the Tennessee Titans go. But he seems to be 100%. If you watch some of the practice video, he's hopping around, motivated. And, and I think the idea is for him to be the guy this weekend. And truth be told, I kind of expect that because that's how he operates as far as his workload during the game. He continues to get better as the game goes on. And I don't see Coach Vrabel and, and Todd Downing just, you know, taken away from what he does. And, and and I was of the mindset, too, when he got the broken foot injury, well, maybe he needs to be put on the pitch count. But I've broken bones before, and I got a plate and four pins in my thumb right now, and I never had an issue out of it when it was uh, when, after it healed. So I'd expect them to put him out there in the backfield about 80% of the time if they're running the ball for sure. Ramon, how much how much confidence has uh has Ryan Tannehill you know uh, gained with uh with in the absence of a guy like Derrick Henry? No one says that he's not gonna you know no one's saying that he's a better player than uh than D Henry. But how much confidence did he build knowing that look, man, we still made it to this point even though we didn't have D Henry most of the season? Man, it's done a whole lot for Ryan. I think more than anything, man. As far as you know, him him having to be the leader on that offensive side of the ball, him having to keep everybody together. And it wasn't perfect for him either during the stretch of the season because he ended up losing A.J. Uh, Brown, Julio Jones, and, and on top of that, Derrick Henry, too. So he had to find himself working with a bunch of guys that he wasn't very much familiar with. And I'll say this, seeing Ryan Tannehill operate in that San Francisco 49ers game when A.J. Brown came back into, the, uh, into that huddle with those guys, I saw a different guy. So I'll say this. If for anything, him being uh, able to have all of his weapons this weekend, Saturday night, I think you'll see a more exact, uh, a better controlled Ryan Tannehill because he appreciates the idea of having all of his guys back because he went through a, about a two-game stretch of just, you know, trying to force things and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to be next. And teams kind of lit up their team as far as, you know, blitzing them and trying to get pressure on Ryan to make him turn the ball over. He did that in the Pittsburgh game. And um, I, it was just a couple of the times this year that you saw him, you know, just be without weapons. And now they got a full stable of guys 
that are healthy. They're coming up off of this, uh, you know, number one seed bye week this week also. So it should be a, a better version of Ryan Tannehill moving forward into this uh, 2021 playoff. Ramon Foster joining us here on 3 and Out. And, Ramon, they get uh, the Bengals, as you said, won a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. What are they expecting from Joe Burrow and Cincinnati coming up uh, here in this, this game this weekend? That's honestly all everybody's been talking about, you know, this week is what has Joe Burrow been able to do. And, and truth be told, even as somebody who's played in the AFC North against the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not too fond of them, but <laughs> he's been a fan. Me being a fan of the game, I got to respect what Joe Burrow has laid down this film. Go from being torn ACL last year to winning the AFC North this year as far as their division goes. They got a really good young group. And, and from what my understanding is, if you bring up the 51 sacks that, you know, his offensive line and himself have also given up this year as a team, it doesn't matter to them. They are working with a confidence and a swagger about themselves that I don't think many people have seen from such a young outfit. Maybe a little bit with what, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes did in Kansas City, but in general, Cincinnati had been in this place. They don't have a coach that many people know about, like you know uh, uh, about uh, Coach Reed. Like that's, so it's, it's him, and he's leading not only this team, but this city. When you have him come out and say something like, you know, what we did this past year is just the baseline. That right there says a whole lot about what he planned on doing when he comes down to Nashville. So if the Titans are lacking or not respecting Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, then I think they're going to have their hands full and they're going to flip around and lose this game. But I just don't see that being the case. I know we love talking about the playmakers, and understandably so, but how important are these offensive lines going to be tomorrow afternoon? It's going to be huge. And uh, you know what? I put more pressure on this Titans offensive line. Number one, they are an older group. They've been in, most of them have been in this situation before as far as playing in the playoffs, as far as being in the league a long time. You got a Pro Bowl guy in Taylor Lewan. Roger Saffold's been in this league, I think, 12, 13 years. Ben Jones has been in a while. Nate Davis has played a whole lot. And Questionberry, the right tackle, has played a good bit too. If they are going to win this game, it's got to happen with them. And then also the idea that Larry Ogunjobi is, you know, he's on IR right now in Cincinnati, one of their starters. They have to take advantage of this game, and uh, and with you know Derrick Henry being back this, uh, this 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 weekend, also it's on them. But on the other side of it, you know, with with what the, the Titans can do to that uh, Cincinnati offense, Joe Burrow gets the ball a lot quick, and I'll be remiss if I didn't bring up Trey Henderson, who passed his concussion protocol this week, who's the uh, the, the single season sack leader for the Cincinnati Bengals after one year of, of signing him. This matchup is, is, is something I'm very much looking forward to, guys. Ramon, when you think about this Titans defense, which is always going to be an overshadow, right? But you got some guys in all three phases. You're talking about, I mean, Bud Dupree. I mean, uh, bringing him on that defensive line has definitely helped. You're talking about him and him and Landry. You talk about Bayard and those guys. If that Titans defense come to play, come to you know, uh, come this weekend, I know what Joe Burrow and that offense brings to the table. When them boys pin their ears back and they decide we're not going to give you nothing, they wanted the top defense in the league. They are. And, and like you said, the idea of, of having, you know, just that week off. So you're getting a healthier Bud Dupree, a Harold Landry, a, 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 a Jeffrey Simmons, Nico Autry. Like, those guys up front have their hands full as far as trying to contain this Titans defensive front. I'm not saying, you know, Cincinnati's going to lay down or it's going to be a long day for them because – 
Joe Burrow has shown that he can be elusive in the pocket and continue uh, or, or, you know, extend the play out. But this team is healthy for the first time together, I think, this season since week two or three of the season. So it's going to be a, a, a tall task for this offensive line of Cincinnati Beagles and that has given up, you know, 51 sacks and gotten a quarterback hit a good bit. That was the biggest issue with them last year as far as, you know, trying to protect Burrow. Their fan base was divided. Do you go get a skilled guy like Jamar Chase or do you go, do you go get Panay Sewell? I think they're happy with Jamar Chase, but at some point they're going to have to fully address protecting that franchise quarterback of Joe Burrow because – if they lose this game this weekend because the Tennessee Titans just straight up bully their offensive line, it's going to be probably their first pick of next year is, is a tackle or guard. And, Ramon, I know when it comes to the playoffs, it's all about matchups. I mean, you know, O-line versus D-line. Uh, you know, you're talking about the linebackers versus the running backs. O, o, I mean, the offensive coordinator versus defensive coordinator. I think the matchup in the Titans versus – you know, the Titans versus the Bengals is going to be former teammates Christian Fulton going up against his former teammate Jamar Chase. 100%. And they've known each other since high school. That's the beauty of what football does, man. If you're good enough, you'll see some of the like-minded people, especially when you go to a big place like – I got to throw this out there too, being a Florida or, you know, uh, uh, LSU where a bunch of the hometown talent stay in those state schools. And that's what we've seen so far. So seeing those two match up, but not only that, if he has to switch himself over to T Higgins, like that's a matchup nightmare right there for a bunch of guys. And Christian Fulton has proven himself to be one of the, he's, he's cornerback one here in Nashville. So his opportunity to prove himself to take that next step, you know, into being a guy to where you get put on lists of, you know, being Pro Bowl type of players. Christian Fulton has a, a tall task in front of him. And, and, Ben, I would throw another guy out there, Zach Cunningham versus Joe Mixon. Those two guys right there are going to have to meet each other in the hole. And I'll say this, too. Uh, Cincinnati utilizes the screen game really good. So, Zach Cunningham being able to hone in on, on Joe Mixon in that screen game is going to be just as important as Christian Fulton and the wide receivers of the Cincinnati Bengals. And finally, you got to have big plays in the playoffs. How big of a difference maker could Julio Jones be this weekend? You know, that's been one of the, the, the back-and-forth debates here of this fan base in Nashville. What is Julio going to do? You know, he just got his first touchdown in Week 18 of the regular season. So seeing him be a factor is going to be pivotal for this team. And I'll say this, too. He doesn't necessarily have to go and get 200 yards this season. But when it comes down to making a clutch catch like he did in the last Super Bowl run that he had with, Atlanta, with the Atlanta Falcons, he's going to be necessary for this team moving forward. Again, his presence out there brings a lot to you because that frees up for A.J. Brown. That keeps the box off as far as their secondary have to, having to honor what Julio Jones has done in his past. Now, I know we're talking about the present and the future as far as Saturday night. But you can't not just put a regular guy on Julio Jones. You've got to put one of your stud DBs on him and because at any point in time, he can still burn you. Ramon Foster, former Tennessee Vols, a Steelers offensive lineman now with 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, our guest here on 3 and Out. Ramon, really appreciate the time. Enjoy the game this weekend. Thanks so much. Not a problem. Anytime. Appreciate it. Ramon Foster joining us here on 3 and Out. We've got more to come all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.
Hello, this is Chris Hatcher, head coach of the Sanford University Bulldogs, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back here on 3 and Out. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. Of course, a lot of mock drafts flying out there as well now that everybody's had to declare if they're going or staying. Jaguars have the number one overall pick. Our next guest has an interesting choice. He might be the only one in the first round of mock drafts here that has uh, the Jags with this pick. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports draft analyst, joins us here on 3 and Out. Josh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Do you, you have the Jags taking Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, offensive tackle, uh, number one. I believe we looked at you might be the only one who's done a mock draft so far that has that as the pick. What, what led you to go that route? Yeah, I think a lot more people would probably end up at this point um, if there wasn't so much groupthink going on right now. Um, Charles Cross, I think, has the most upside of any offensive tackle at the position this year. Um, you know, probably the best in pass protection, still very young, just a sophomore. So he's got plenty of, plenty of time, uh, to continue developing at the next level. And I think he can get better as a run defender, uh, which would really round out his, his overall game and make him one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL. Josh, if you're the Jaguars, uh, you could use an edge rusher. Of course, there are some pretty good edge rushers in the draft class, but how much do you have to take into account as you did with your pick that, you have Trevor Lawrence, and he's your future, and you got to protect him up front. Absolutely. I think that's critical because you don't want to be in a situation where um, the Jets found themselves in a couple of years ago where you've got a very talented quarterback in Sam Darnold, and you don't surround him with the offensive line, maybe the skill players that he needs to be successful. You don't want to look back and have any regrets about how you surrounded your quarterback with talent. So uh, I think that has to be of the utmost importance. I understand the desire to take an edge rusher, um, especially because there's going to be a new head coach in all likelihood and, um, you know, very little attachment to, you know, Caleb on chase on who was picked by the former regime. So, you know, it's easy to see them possibly moving on from him and taking one of these talented edge, edge rushers. But I think at the end of the day, protecting Trevor Lawrence has to be the most important uh, objective for this front office this offseason. And Josh, I mean, it always poses the question that when you talk about a team like the Jazz that has so many needs, and obviously you want to be able to protect the franchise of a guy like Trevor Lawrence, but do you go with need or do you go with best available? Well, I think you do. It's got to be a combination of the two for sure, but you don't want to draft well well outside of of your parameters. Um, You don't want to take a guy that's, you know, not even in the conversation to be um, that top prospect in this draft class. So, you know, if the option is available where you feel there's a guy that's worthy of that pick um, and it happens to be at the position of need, then you absolutely go in that direction. But, um, you know, Jacksonville is, is obviously in a position rebuilding where you do have to take the best talent available. So, you know, if at the end of the day you feel one of these edge rushers is a better prospect, um, and is going to have a better chance of being successful in the NFL, then you probably do have to go that route. And maybe you go in free agency and try to attack the offensive line um, or use some of those day two picks to, to make that happen. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports, uh, NFL draft writer, joining us here on 3 and Out. And, and Josh, how much does the direction Jacksonville chooses to go with their head coach kind of influence 
how you think they'll go in the draft. Obviously, whoever comes in is going to say, hey, I have a supposed franchise quarterback there in Trevor Lawrence. I need to protect, but does it does it change the thinking depending on who uh, Shad Khan and company uh, ultimately decide on as the next head coach? Absolutely. I mean, you could bring in a defensive-minded head coach who, you know, wants that side of the ball to be more successful because if you're a defensive head coach and your defense is playing poorly, that's going to reflect on you as a, as a defensive-minded head coach. So, um, you know, we've seen time and time again where you bring in a head coach with a background on a specific side of the ball, and he targets that position through the draft um, with those early selections. So that's definitely a consideration. Uh, you also have to consider the scheme. I mean, there are guys that may not be scheme fits, depending upon the type of offense you plan to run, the type of defense that you plan to run, Um, you know, especially with these edge rushers that Jacksonville has. Uh, I think Josh Allen has shown that he's capable of playing hand in the dirt and rushing the quarterback. Um, At Kentucky, he also showed that he's comfortable dropping into coverage and impacting pass lanes. So I think that's a guy that's very versatile, um, if you decide to go with a four three or a three four at the next uh, with the next head coach, but Caleb on Chase sounds a little bit more specific. So you know all of that plays into their decision at the end of the day. The Falcons come in at number eight. Uh, you have the Falcons taking Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, out of Pitt. Uh, how do the Falcons manage this? Where yes, you do want to get a quarterback of the future, but maybe do you feel like if a defensive playmaker is there, that could be a more immediate help kind of pick. How do you think they manage this? It's a very interesting conversation because I felt like they should have taken a quarterback last year, um, even though, you know, Matt Ryan's contract was kind of prohibitive of that, at least for that to be able to bring in a player that was going to contribute immediately. Um, last year's draft class was much stronger at the quarterback position. This year it's, it's much weaker. You know, I, I don't know that we're going to get those all pro caliber players at the quarterback position from this draft class. Now, it's kind of sandwiched between what I think is going to be a good draft class next year at the quarterback position uh, with Alabama's Bryce Young. You've got C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, um, just to name a few. So you've got more talented options next year. You're kind of sandwiched in between. So you don't want to find yourself in a position of desperation. But like you said, you really need that franchise quarterback to feel comfortable about the direction the franchise is going, and I don't think that player is in the building. Um, now, if you anticipate them struggling this coming year, uh, we don't know what's going to happen with the Calvin Ridley situation, obviously, but if you don't feel that they're going to be a playoff contender this coming year, then maybe you're comfortable giving Matt Ryan another year and then playing your hand in the quarterback market next offseason. And Josh, even sticking with the Falcons, when you think about the fact that a guy like Kenny Pickett, when you look at the season he had last year, how much does Kenny Pickett benefit from not just how he played, but the position that he plays? Because you see what a Joe Burrow will do for for a franchise, what a Russell Wilson will do for the for a franchise from since they've been you know, from opening day since they've been drafted. How much do these quarterbacks get the benefit of doubt? Because even though if they're not that good, they have the potential of you know being a franchise, you know, uh, reshaping the franchise. We know uh, with one pick. No question. I mean, it's, you know, you're some franchises get lured into the idea of drafting based on excitement. You know, you want that player that's going to excite your fan base, a guy that's going to be, you know, the focal point of all of your training camps. You know, if you have fans in attendance, you want a guy that's going to bring fans to the game in in the fall. Um, So, you know, that's certainly a consideration for a lot of teams. I mean, we're no strangers to seeing players overdraft at the position. I mean, we've seen 
Um, you know, Blake Bortles, we've seen Blaine Gabbert, we've seen A.J. Manuel, like Christian Ponder. There's there's no shortage of these quarterbacks that are taken too high in the draft. So, you know, at the end of the day, we may not feel comfortable with the talent, but if anything the NFL has taught us is that there are teams that are going to take that chance in the hopes that they are able to find that franchise quarterback. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports, joining us here on 3 and Out. And Josh, as we get into this process, still early in it, obviously, with the draft, uh, who's the guy that you think, and maybe it's the guy you have at number one, that is uh, like classically unheralded right now as a uh, first-round pick heading into this process? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, you know, I wonder if one of those wide receivers are going to be able to get into the top ten. I felt like Jamison Williams was probably trending in that direction before his injury. Uh, Garrett Wilson is a player that I love at that position as well. Um, you know, it's, it's a very interesting class because I, I'm not as confident in the amount of blue chip talent that's at the top. And I feel like you can find a lot of that middle of the first round type talent, you know, um, whether you're picking in the middle of the first round or possibly in the top of the second round. So I think there's going to be a lot of volatility this year and a chance for teams that really do their homework to take advantage of some good players. But I love Garrett Wilson. I, I feel like um, a lot of people overlook this wide receiver class. Um, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about Drake London recently, but I think Garrett Wilson is, is a heck of a player and a guy that's going to make a difference at the next level. Finally, uh, with, with Jacksonville at one, Atlanta at eight, do you think there's a chance in the top ten we see a lot of movement, some trades, or given that maybe there's not a, a superstar quarterback prospect, uh, might things be more likely to stay as they are? I think things will probably be a little bit more stable than what we've seen in recent years, especially last year, um, with the quarterback talent predicating some of the, the moves that we saw, uh, you know, with San Francisco moving up, um, you know, with the Jets taking a quarterback early and, and obviously Jacksonville number one overall. Those type of talents spur action um, among NFL teams, and we just don't have that kind of talent at the quarterback position this year. So, you know, when I look at a team like Jacksonville that has their franchise quarterback, it would be fantastic if there were going to be some trade partners that were interested in moving up so that they could slide back a little bit, get some additional draft capital, and target more needs on this roster. But without that quarterback, I just don't see enough dance partners for teams at the top of this draft class. So um, I think a lot of teams are probably going to stay put at the end of the day. Um, I also think – you know, very few teams are going to be willing to give up a 2023 pick, which I think is, is going to be more, more talented. I think there's going to be a lot more blue chip type talent in that draft class. So I think it's going to be a pretty stable year. Um, maybe even a little bit boring, I guess, in, in, you know, relation to what we've seen in recent years. Josh Edwards, CBS sports, our guest here on three and out. Josh, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Josh Edwards, CBS Sports draft writer, joining us here on 3 and Out. And uh, Ben, as uh, you heard him say there at the end, the, the lack of just a bunch of superstar quarterback talent. I mean, what other position are you trading up for? Left tackle? I mean, there's a couple of those uh, potentially in this draft that teams might uh, trade up for. But outside of that, if you don't have a quarterback that you just think is generational, and you think you might be able to get your, your left tackle a little bit later in the draft or a little bit later in the first round, what are you trading up for? So uh, Jacksonville might be sitting there uh, with the number one pick that everybody thinks, oh, you just trade back and get all kinds of stuff, may not be there. 
No, I don't think Jacksonville has that luxury this year. I mean, BJ and Kevin, when you think about Trevor Lawrence, you got to protect him. And they when you need so much, you just pick you just pick a position. You need a you need a left tackle. You need a you need a you need a defensive end. You need an interior defensive lineman. You need a linebacker. You need a safety. You need some receivers, and you need depth. That's what that's what Jacksonville needs the most. But I think Josh said something that we we kind of overlooked. Sometimes they draft for excitement. Some of these players are exciting. They're gonna put people in the seats, and we're not gonna win. Especially the place like Jacksonville right now, we at least want to fill up these stadiums. Trevor Lawrence was exciting. You forgot how bad the team was around him because, BJ, you know, just like I know, you need a face that is recognizable. You 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 say, team, you give me a player. So I just think that for right now, Jacksonville, you know, try to go out there and get the best available. I don't think you can mess it up because they're not going to be good in 2022. We've got more to come here. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, we are streaming live ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile device with the ESPN app. This is former University of Georgia quarterback John Lastinger. You're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Great to be here with you on this Friday, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Again, coming up tonight, a little high school basketball for you. If you want to uh, tune in, our own PJ's Duco, Cam Mercery, will have uh, New Hampstead and Jenkins coming up tonight. So uh, go to ESPNCoastal.com, go to our YouTube channel, uh, at ESPN Coastal on YouTube, and you can check out a little high school basketball uh, right there on online tonight. So uh, a little high school basketball action for you, as well as we head into... A big weekend, uh, fellas, of of college basketball and obviously the National Football League. Yeah, those guys do a great job. Looking forward to that call tonight. And then, as you said, the playoff games this weekend. I think we have uh, Duke-Syracuse out of the ACC, Georgia tomorrow. A big one in the SEC. You have uh, number 2 Auburn and number 10 Kentucky. Uh, oh, yeah. So, I know some people are just kind of adjusting to college basketball season. But some big games, some big games uh, in the SEC and the ACC tomorrow. But looking forward to PJ and Cam uh, on the call tonight. And uh, always enjoy our, our our high school live game coverage. And our good buddy Matt Smith brought this up on online. Bruce Pearl has taken two programs that aren't necessarily basketball factories, Tennessee and Auburn, and at both stops made them really, really good. Top 10 programs at both stops. I mean, Coach Pearl do a good job. I mean, BJ, you, but you know, Coach Pearl do the same thing Coach Calipari do. Good in the regular season, get to the get to the tournament, and eh, unless Anthony Davis running out of there, they ain't gonna do nothing. Kentucky gonna be much to do about nothing. And I mean, hold on Calipari. a second. I mean, I know you and I were at the O Dome a couple of days ago, and it was bringing back old memories of some championship squads. But straight up calling programs out. I, I'm not calling programs out, BJ. I'm just saying John Calipari has had all kind of players, right? Derrick Rose. I mean, what, John Wall, and he's won one. He's won one. BJ, if that was Florida, I would never, ever hit it. Do you know who you guys had? Tell the truth, BJ. Call Spade Spade, John Calipari. He all right. He all right as a coach. He all right. I mean, he's been a pretty consistent winner. Kentucky, what, 10 or 11? I know they've. I think they, he just made every Kentucky basketball fan uh, fall out of their chair with that. But Yeah, I, I mean, he's been good. He's been, he's he's been, been championship yeah. good. I saw the O Dome. They've been struggling to fill it back up, though, Ben. Whoa! Listen, all I'm saying, listen, all I'm saying is, if you want to watch some good basketball in Florida, you want to watch them Lady Gators, not 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 the guys. No, Who's the head basketball coach of Florida? Coach White. 
we have to we have to give you that quiz every so often, right, BJ? Got to make sure Ben is fresh and on top of his game, making sure he's still out there. Look, cheering on, uh, you know, Mike White. Yeah, Ben's got back to back to talk about, and uh, and uh, Florida. Look, Florida's had success, but I'm looking forward to uh, think about the SEC games that that Kentucky Auburn game uh, tomorrow, Florida State Miami tomorrow in the ACC, and then uh, Duke trying to bounce back from a couple of losses in recent weeks, taking on Syracuse tomorrow, which is always tricky. But looking forward to the high school broadcast tonight. Again, yeah. DJ Zuko does a great job, Cam Mercery as well. So we'll have that a little bit after a little bit after the show. Yeah, I think uh, scheduled. I, I always say this with high school basketball because you never know. It's right. scheduled 730. Sometimes, you know, they start a little later. Sometimes it, it starts on time. But, yeah, it should be uh, fun there. A little high school. But the Phoenix and the Warriors uh, for that basketball game coming up tonight. And, again, trying to do that as part of our high school game of the week every Friday. So uh, make sure you check that out. And if you miss it, even, it's right there on YouTube. It gets archived after the game on ESPNCoastal.com. You can go back and watch the game uh, that way as well. So I uh, really encourage you to do that and uh, check out the coverage. Having a lot of fun there with uh, with high school basketball this season. Well, we got plenty to come uh, here on the show, BJ. And been in the next hour, we'll take three, of course, We'll get to our draft big boards. Who are some of the top players we're going to be talking about regardless of position come NFL draft time? We're going to talk about that. Also, some change in the SEC there with some coaches. And then the final hour of the show, Jermaine Wiggins uh, going to join us. Former Georgia tight end, Patriots tight end, won a Super Bowl uh, there with the Patriots now with WEEI in Boston. So looking forward to that conversation coming up in the final hour of the program. But we'll take three when we come back, don't go anywhere. This is three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Love to hear from you on Twitter at Pigskin Radio, at Pigskin Radio. And of course, you can catch us streaming live at ESPNCoastal.com. Video streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel uh, at ESPN Coastal there on YouTube. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you are with us. So much to get to. We'll give you our top five players that are looking for in the NFL draft moving forward, regardless of position out there. So stick around uh, for that. Coming up at the end of take three here, uh, BJ and Ben, we're going to give away a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished. The Ben Troop Story. So uh, keep listening for your chance to win a copy of Ben's book coming up here at the end of Take 3. That being said, let's take three here on 3 and Out. And for the he said it's the final day today, Ben. But we have our guest, Take 3 asking, question asking her one more time today. Rhett, lay it on us, buddy. Okay, take one. You get one QB this weekend. Are you taking... Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Pat Mahomes? Wow. Go ahead, Dad. Oh, who am I taking? Uh, did you hear the full question, Ben? Want to make sure you, you got that? Yeah, yeah. Tom, with Tom, yeah, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes. Pat Mahomes, yeah. I'm, I, I'm taking – I think I'm taking uh, – wow, this is tough. Because I said you don't bet against Tom Brady, but in terms of – I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers. Uh, big arm. Can do it. I know uh, something uh, 
He said, look, Tom Brady can do it with the Stars. He can do it sometimes without Stars. I think Aaron Rodgers, didn't he go to a conference championship game with a wide receiver at running back? He basically went to the, a one game shy of the Super Bowl with what the Falcons trotted out there on offense this year. A, a similar type situation. I'm going to take Aaron Rodgers if I can only take one. At the end of the day, I mean, I love Aaron Rodgers. I love Patrick Mahomes. But Tom Brady has literally seen it all, done it all, and won it all. This is just this is just adding to the legacy known uh, uh, of, of Tom Brady. And the thing about it is, Kevin, Aaron Rodgers wants to win because of Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes, that, that's the only way Kansas City can win if he plays well. Tom Brady don't care how he wins. Just give me, listen, give me 10 guys that believe, whether, they, whether their last name Gronk or not, we're going to find a way to get it done. Tom Brady did this. What, he did this nine times, but nine times in the AFC. He's done it one time in the NFC. He's trying to add a back-to-back. Give me, give me, give me Tom. Give me, give me, uh, give me, give me Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's got to be Brady. Look, all all respect for those other guys, but you're talking about a postseason game. Come on, Rhett. You're talking about a postseason game, man. It's got to be Brady. I'm gonna disagree with your dad. It's 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 Tom Brady. Was he giving you side? No, no, no. I agree with my dad. Oh, see. Of course. I've got to agree with you. Yeah, he's got to. Because he got mad at me last time about. I don't know what it was. Hey, hey, you think for yourself, come up with your own answer. <laughs> All right, give us the next one. Take two. If JT Daniels wants to stay in the SEC, what school would make the most sense? I'll say I, I think it's Ole Miss. Uh, if, if if you want to stay in the SEC, and I know there's been some speculation on that front, uh, Ole Miss, of course, Matt Corral getting ready for the NFL draft. They did have Dylan Gabriel committed uh, before he, the former UCF quarterback, before he decommitted and uh, ended up committing to Oklahoma. So uh, you have Luke Altmyer, you have some talented options there, of course. But if you want to throw the football, I think Lane Kiffin's got a pretty good track record of developing quarterbacks. Uh, look, in the SEC, you're going to be hard pressed to find many spots where, even for a guy with the profile of JT Daniels, where you feel like you can just step in and 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 be the guy, no questions asked. Uh, you're going to have to compete, and there's going to be other talented options there. But I think I think Ole Miss, if you want to stay in the SEC, would make a lot of sense uh, for a guy who has a lot of talent in, in, in JT Daniels. I, I'm going to go with Auburn. I think I think uh, I think BJ right now he needs to go to a team that's in desperate need of a quarterback. Definitely going to still have to go out there and compete. But he needs to be able to boost his resume and look at the side that he's on. He's going to get to play Alabama, LSU, Arkansas, Texas A&M. And he goes out there and have good games. He don't have to necessarily win those games, but go out there and look respectable. Look at that as what it's going to do for his draft profile. Because Kevin, BJ, you know this. He can't transfer again. JT Daniels is known more for transferring from school to school than what he's actually done on the field. Didn't work out at USC. Got beat out by Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Now he's trying to find another team. Go to the SEC West. Go out there and compete, win the job, go out there and play well, or who knows? Might be talking about JT Daniel for the 2023 NFL draft. I'm honestly I'm saying it's Mizzou. Uh, you just had what Zach Calzada went to Auburn. Right? You so you're gonna have to go earn it again. Uh, at Mizzou, you gotta beat out Connor Basilak. Who BJ and before did, the show did, you starting the bowl game. Right, yeah. for, you said before the show Connor Basilak beat out Connor Basilak. Yeah. Uh, essentially the way. So if I'm JT Daniels, this is my shot. I'm, if I, if I want to stay in the SEC, I go to Mizzou. And they recruited well. And unlike Ben's argument, I'm going to say, why are you going to make it hard on yourself? 
I want to put up numbers, man. That's my last go-round. I get to play Vandy. I get to play Tennessee, who hasn't been, you know, they've been better, but they haven't been great shakes defensively. I get to play South Carolina, who, again, I might have a chance to beat. I don't know. Again, they're, they're, Rattler. they're, they're a better team, but I'm saying, but you got, as a football team, you have a chance to beat them, right? And you're playing in a side of the SEC that, outside of Georgia, Got a lot of question marks, right? I mean, you, you might even be able to beat Florida uh, at the end of the day. So, if I'm JT Daniels, if I'm staying in the SEC, why would you want to go over there and say, yeah, I get to play Alabama and Texas A&M? No, I want to play Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Tennessee. Let me stat pad so I can get – I already got my national championship ring. Let me stat pad so I can get to the National Football League. And it's a little easier path to starting again. Because if you're JT Daniels internally, Ben, you're saying what? I transferred from Southern Cal. I came to Georgia. I got beat out by a walk-on. Now, BJ, we can argue whether Stetson is better or not, but the facts of the situation are I got beat out by a former walk-on for the starting job. And if I come back, the guy that just won the national championship as former walk-on is probably going to beat me out again. Why do I want to go to yeah, Auburn? Yeah, yeah. Why do I want to go to Auburn and compete against Zach Calzada or, or the guy that started for a top-10 team last year? And transfer, like go go to go to Mizzou. They'll take. I mean, I, again, I think it's an easier. And again, I'm not saying be scared of competition, Ben. It's just you have one season left. Go where it's the easiest path to get on the field and start. I mean, I know that make that make a bunch of sense, Kevin. All I'm saying is JT Daniels need to prove that he can compete at, at, for a starting job because it seems to be he could. Like you said, Kevin, if on your resume, look when I when I, when I was getting ready to go through the draft, they asked me, Ben, why did it take you three years to start? And I said we had Aaron Walker, and they just stared at me. So just because, just because, listen, the truth don't always set you free. The truth can sometimes hold you back. I think of a guy like JT Daniels. He needs to go somewhere that he can beat out a guy that was at a big time program and take that big time program back. You know, uh, you know, uh, back to the, uh, you know, back to a bowl game, BJ, and maybe even make, maybe even beat a team like a Texas. He's not beating, he's not beating Alabama, but beat a team like Texas A&M because right now this is about boosting his resume. It looks good that he got a ring. But they tell my, hey man, Stetson got y'all that. It wasn't JT. All right, move along to the next question here, Rhett. What you got for us? Hang on. But b- before, I think I, I'm i going to go over and agree with Ben. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you're back mad at-, at me for no reason. <laughs> I've got to agree with somebody. Disagree with Dad. <laughs> Sorry. You're back in the doghouse. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Take three. Who is the best team in college basketball right now? Hang on. But. Nobody cares about college basketball. <laughs> they care about the Braves baseball and college football. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Look, man, everybody's adju- everybody's adjusting from from college football. College football season just ended. March Madness on the horizon. Uh, I did watch Brett. <laughs> I did watch some some Gonzaga last night. Gonzaga, I think number one in a lot of the polls. They yes. played San Francisco. Look, look really good. You have Auburn. Auburn taking on Kentucky this weekend. Uh, that's a that's a top ten matchup, I think. I think you can make an argument for Auburn. Do want to see if they do want to see if they get it done against Kentucky on Saturday. Duke has not looked necessarily their best last couple of weeks. And Red, I understand you got to wait till March Madness. Uh, but I I think right now I will lean Gonzaga. You still have Baylor, the defending national champs, out there. But I will lean Gonzaga right now. I think a lot of balance. They have three four guys that can that can score. Saw them last night. Number one in the country. I'll take the Zags. 
Oh my God, the, the number one team in college basketball right now is nobody. I mean, BJ, all these freaking games where they be number, they be number one. No, they be number one for a day, and they'll lose to an unranked team. You know, they're trying to get their swagger back. BJ, we know when it comes to college, you are what Kevin. You the college basketball is what Kevin is the baseball. I get it. Kevin knows what's going on. I do not watch college basketball enough to know. I do know your Florida State boys beat up on Duke. I just, as long as the evil empire known as Duke is getting beat, I am good. Because I get sick of the fact that people were like, oh, Duke and North Carolina, they were bad last year. Who cares? I get sick of people talking about them. So as long as Duke is a number one, I don't care who's number one. As long as it ain't them. It's the Coach K victory tour uh, this week around college, or this year around college basketball as well. No, I think it's Gonzaga. I'm going to, I'll say Gonzaga. I think a team that was in the championship a year ago has a good many players coming back from that team. I'm going to go with the Zags. But again, it's all going to get sorted out come tournament time. At the end of the day. That's take three. Rhett, appreciate it. Did you have fun doing it uh, these last three days? Yes, but I will be back one day. You'll be back one day? One day I will be back, and I will be back at it asking the questions. Okay. Are you coming from my chair? Oh, Is that oh, what you're oh, trying oh, to do? He's coming. Uh, maybe. He's taking it. Maybe. I'm you, coming you, at it. You're going to take my job? I might. <laughs> Steal your money. Go ahead and Steal tell my- your dad. Go ahead and tell your dad. <laughs> tell your dad that's my mic. Yeah. You're going to steal my money. Steal your money. Steal your mic. Steal your seat. <laughs> it's mine. I can't hear, Ben. Go Say what you just said, Ben. I said, no, he's already stealing the money. I mean, he's doing it in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> I will come back. That being said, thank you, son. You're welcome, we'll, Dad. We'll come back with more three and out of the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. By now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now Backbeat, the word is on the street Hello, this is George Rogers, 1980 Heisman Trophy winner, University of South Carolina You are listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin Good to have you back here, three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, and Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. I was, uh, I was so thrown back, uh, Ben and BJ, by my son threatening to take my job and my money and my microphone and my chair that we forgot to give away a copy of Uncommon and Unfinished, the uh, the Ben Troop story. So we will do that right now before we move along. We'll take caller number four nine one two. 342-7184-912-342-7184. Fourth caller gets a copy of Ben's book, Uncommon and Unfinished Ben Troop Story. Or you can just go to bentroop84.com and purchase a uh, a copy of it. But 912-342-7184. Caller number four right now will give you a copy, uh, a signed copy of Ben's book, Uncommon and Unfinished. Yes, Kevin. I mean, listen, Kevin, we've been doing it so long. For, listen, Kevin came out with a phrase as his book is finished. He is not. But <laughs> Kevin getting threatened by, you know, by his offspring saying, listen, daddy, not only do I'm coming for your job, I'm coming for that check as well. But no, man, Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben True Store with BJ Bennett. Yes, the fourth caller, uh, 912-342-7184. We'll get a signed copy. And I want to say to everybody that's won, to everybody that's purchased, I can't say thank you enough. Me and BJ, I mean, BJ, what, September 21st, 2021 will always be a day that's going to be near and dear to my heart to already to, to, to have as many people that has purchased the book and the people that's won. 
342-7184. You will get the fourth caller will get a signed autographed copy of Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben Troop story. My book is finished. I am not, and I don't think I ever will be. But the book is, and if you and, and I was and I and I always you can always go to Ben Troop 84.com. But, but the fourth caller, 912-342-7184. And I want to thank everybody for the support. I know uh, uh Ben, it's a really special story and uh, I'm excited for folks to get to learn more about your perspective. And a lot of people know Ben Troop, the player, but Ben Troop, the person, is uh, what this book's all about. So uh, really proud of it, excited about it, and uh, and uh, looking forward to more and more people uh, learning more about you. Absolutely. So uh, bentroop84.com or fourth caller, and uh, you will win a signed copy of Uncommon Unfinished, the Ben Troop story. we still got a couple more weeks. We're going to do this through the Super Bowl, so a couple more chances for you to win or Again, bentroop84.com. You can go and check that out. We've been talking draft today on the show. Obviously, we've seen opinions vary, obviously, on big boards and who's the number one overall pick. That's likely to change. Who in your mind, top five guys on a big board right now, regardless of position, in this draft? All right. Am I doing this one to five or five to one? Because this has been a very controversial thing that you've kind of held I, over my head for years I, now. I, I mean, usually you want to build up. I would start, I would start at number five and build upwards. All right, all right. Whoa. So top five, regardless of position. I'm going to go number five. No, no, quick before you do what? that. Quick, this is just a quick, just a quick psychological study here on the show because this this has kind of give you some insight into one to five, five to one ranking. Christmas Day, do you open the biggest gift first or do you open the biggest gift gift last? I just open like the presents that are brought over to I, you I, I, presents? I, I open the biggest gift last. No, I'm talking about like you can see the different kind of boxes that they're in. Do you open yes. the smallest it's box first or you open the biggest box first? I've never opened presents based off of size of the boxes. Okay, only well, BJ can, Bennett I, in America. I, I take the one I can shake, the little small one I can shake and listen to it. I open Hold that on. One first. So you oh, so so you go and do you do smallest? I don't do or? it like necessarily, but usually if I have a big box gift, I will save that for the last one, just because. All right. All right. So so I'm going five to one. <laughs> Yes. All, right, all right, number five for me, Ike McWanu, the offensive lineman out of NC State. This guy's a great player, and uh, I think that one thing that's really valuable about uh, uh, his potential is a lot of scouts have said he could be a star at tackle, he could be a star at guard, and I know sometimes in the National Football League, along the offensive front, maybe even if it's not your full-time position, you have to have that versatility to play multiple spots, and I think for uh, Ekwanu coming out of NC State, uh, I I, I, to me, as an offensive guard, I know a lot of people have said that might be the best option, could have a Quentin Nelson-type impact with his size and strength and athleticism and just the career he had with the Wolfpack. So I'm going to go Ikem Ekwanu, number five. Number four for me, Derek Stingley, uh, the corner out of LSU. And for some people, the I guess the momentum has cooled a little bit compared to where it was after his freshman year. I still think he has everything you want, including the tape, including the resume, uh, big, physical, obviously uh, has great instincts in terms of making plays on on passes downfield. So I go Stingley four, number three, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the edge rusher. I think he's it, it's very difficult to come in with the hype of being that that guy that everybody says you have to produce and you have to produce at this level. And Thibodeau has been able to do that. I think he, if he's the number one pick, I think he's validated that uh, in many respects. I do think. Maybe a little more versatile than than Aiden Hutchinson, and that I I I think he's scheme uh, uh, open. He could play three four. He could play four three. I think he could be equally effective 
there. Number two for me, Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, 6'4", 220. Now, again, this is a big board. I don't know how you value the, the positional relevancy of safety. Uh, I don't know that that carries the same weight as an edge rusher, an offensive tackle, a quarterback, but Kyle Hamilton can do it all. I've seen him do some just things where I, I go back to the uh, season opener against Florida State when he had the interception on the sideline, and I'm looking around going, how is that even possible? When the ball was thrown, he wasn't in the screen. And then for me, number one is Evan Neal. Uh, I, talking about a guy that came in, started every game right away at Alabama, has dominated on the big stage, has dominated against the toughest competition, 6'5", 340. Uh, folks who study offensive linemen rave about his mobility and athleticism. I think he's everything you want in a number one overall pick at tackle. So five, Ike McWanu, four, Derek Stingley, three, Kayvon Thibodeau, two, Kyle Hamilton, one for me, Evan Neal. Like your list, BJ, man, I mean, I, I think all those guys are very, very versatile. Mine, mine is real similar to yours with one difference. My number five, I'm going to go with Sauce Gardner, cornerback out of Cincinnati. When you go back to the tape, the one thing you do not see with Sauce Gardner, he doesn't give up anything. Nothing cheap, nothing deep, doesn't even give up touchdowns. And a guy that did it on a team that he helped elevate his team. Saw him against, you know, Georgia, you know, two years ago. Saw him, you know, uh, in the college football playoff this year. I think when you think about a guy who helps elevate his team, didn't have to be at one of these big-name schools to be able to do it. Sauce Gardner, to me, is my fifth overall prospect. He's going to be a first – he's going to be an opening-day starter. My number four – Kyle Hamilton, BJ, for everything you just mentioned. I mean, he he's Cam Chancellor with with but more rangy. I mean, he's all over the field. You cannot coach height. You cannot coach speed. You cannot coach. You cannot coach our intangibles, and you cannot coach intensity. This guy has it all, and he knows he's good. Six four two twenty, man. I mean, coming downhill, BJ. You talk about that pick he had against Florida State. He, I mean, he is a middle of the field enforcer. Plus, he wants to come down and make plays. My number three, Evan Neal. I mean, you listen, you you need a bookend left tackle. You need a guy that can just play and plug him. Then put him over there on the left side, forget he's over there for the next 10 years. I think Evan Neal is built. I mean, he's coming from the pedigree. I mean, he's I mean, you can't coach I me mean, 6'5, 340 with uh with uh with uh sweet feet. My number two is Derek Stingman. I mean, he was the best cornerback in the country as a true freshman. When you think about that 2019 team, he should have won, he should have won. Uh, he should have won a DB award. I mean, he should have won that thought, BJ, in my, in, my, in my opinion. I just think that, you know, 18 years old to be that polished and just like just like a Joe Burrow, his best games came against the best competition. Just go back to the tape. My number one is Kayvon Thibodeau. Because, BJ, I, I say this. If I'm the number one recruit in the country, I have to be – I have to wait three years, you know, out of high school to go pro. It's very, very easy to tail off. It's very, very easy to not have that. People's thinking, is this kid going to come to SEC country? He's a California kid, kept it close to home by staying in the Pac-12 at Oregon at BJ. I mean, what else can he do? I'm going to be in the top five, top ten in Tigers for loss, top five, top ten nationally for sacks, and he returned punts. All I'm saying is, I mean, he wasn't going to win a national championship at Oregon because obviously you got to go up against certain teams that's going to be just built for, you know, just built to uh, just outlast them, but Three years ago, met him at Florida State, and the kid hasn't tailed off. Uh, you talk about Derek, that's why I got Kayvon Thibodeau one, Derek Stingley two, Evan Neal three, Kyle Hamilton four, and, and Sauce, Sauce Gardner five. I always credit guys who you see their best tape early, but they don't tail off and they have to deal with injuries. For a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, he had to deal with the fact that he was that he was like a one-man band most of the time, even though even though Pene Sewell, little brother, is out there with him. And then when you think about a guy like Derek Stingley, you're not going to get much better than what he did in 2019. 
2018. So yeah, I give all those guys credit. But yeah, that's my top five. Like I said, I you know, I mean, I, I was gonna put some of them Georgia boys on there, but I just think these five guys stand out. Yeah, I think some of them are uh, very. Nicobe Dean might be my number six if we uh, if we went a little farther down uh, this list. B.J. Ben, but my number five, I did Kyle Hamilton out of uh, Notre Dame. If you watch Notre Dame play, you 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 saw Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton. That's I mean, he was out there making plays. You turn the tape on. There he is uh, at safety. My number four. I know they, they people say there's not a lot of great uh, QBs out there. I'm going to put Matt Corral in there. I think for where the NFL seems to be headed, not the uber mobile quarterback. But Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, guys who can run by moving the pocket, buying time, and getting the ball downfield, that's Matt Corral. If you can run a little bit, a la, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and be Lamar Jackson, but a Josh Allen or somebody who can make the throws, but you can also run around, buy time, and, oh, if it's not there, still get me six, seven yards before you fall down. Uh, that's, a, that's a good skill set to have. And we go with Number three, Derek Stingley, LSU. Interesting that some folks had him going to the Falcons at eight. If he makes it that far, would be an interesting pick to go with A.J. Terrell, Derek Stingley. You could do a lot worse with those two guys uh, as your corner. My number two, Kayvon Thibodeau uh, at Oregon. Defensive end, I think a lot of people had him number one, going as far back as way back in the in the preseason. A, a, a freak athlete there at Oregon. And my number one is Evan Neal, uh, B.J. Simply, for no other reason than SEC, Alabama pedigree, started from day one. The end. That's all I need to know. Yeah, I don't know what more that's, you that's want. That's all yeah. I need to know. I, again, come to the combine. Do I need you to do uh, drills against dummies? No, dummy. I've started every game at Alabama, and I started from the day I showed up there. The end. Don't need to run a forty. Don't need. I, I don't know. You dominated. You locked it up at Alabama from day one. The end. Evan Neal, number one guy for me. You had a quarterback in there. I like that. I did. Matt Corral. Uh, again, I think he's a he's an athlete, which I think. I hate to say like new age quarterback, like he's some kind of revelation, but you look at what the Pat Mahomes are being asked to do. You look at what Josh Allen's being asked to do. You don't see guys like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers anymore. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are like, oh, they're still drop back quarterbacks getting it done. And they're what? Old. I mean, so like you look at the young guys, they're got Trevor Lawrence even. He's a quote pocket guy, but he can run and move the pocket and make some things happen. Not that he's going to be a run-first guy, but he's not a standstill, and if you get there, I'm going to fall down and I'm sacked kind of guy. And I think Matt Corral probably brings that dynamic best to the quarterback position. No, I mean I couldn't agree more. Matt Corral, he, I mean he's good at improvising. And let's face it, I mean he was in a, he was in an offense that utilized his skill set well. You look at what him and Lane, they were a match made in heaven. BJ, when you talk, when they were clicking, there was nobody any better. And that's the one thing Matt Corral doesn't have to worry about. It used to be a time these quarterbacks had to adjust to the system. Nope, you adjust the system to the quarterback. You don't believe me? Ask Lamar Jackson and what they do. Ask, look at what they do at Kansas City. That's what good teams supposed to do. He is the face of our franchise. Let's adjust to what he does. But, you know, Matt Corral is always a sour patch because, you know, Jim McElwain was a coach of Florida, and that's where he wanted to go. And then, well, he's talking with people that are dealing with sharks. And oh, we can start this where, where all of these all of these great players were committed to, where, you know, were at, at no, one no, point no, committed no, no. to my we, favorite we, uh, team. BJ, what, what, what you want me to say, man? I mean, listen, I'm happy for Matt Corral. I mean, what? He, he made, listen, he made Kevin, you know what it is, Thomas, top five list. The young man. It's going to be a star. Yeah, chalk it up. Speaking of that, as we were going to talk about, who are the top? I'm largely I might have a different guy. Largely considered a down quarterback class on the whole, but who are the top quarterbacks we're going to be hearing about in this draft? We'll get to that next here on 3 and Out.
Hey, this is NASCAR driver David Reagan, and you're listening to Kevin, Ben, and BJ on 3 and Out. Good to have you here, 3 and Out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, we're talking quarterbacks there and largely considered a down. I don't know if it's a fully weak quarterback class, but there aren't the the guys at the top. Your Andrew Lux, your RG3 type guys coming out where people are just blown away, uh, BJ and Ben, by uh, what you have coming out. That being said, who do you think is the top quarterback in this thing when you're talking draft or the top one or two guys? Uh, because, as you know, everybody will downplay the quarterbacks and then there'll be five taken in the first round. You go, I thought all these guys stunk, and here we are drafting them all in the first round. I do think that is true. We're Keep in mind, we're still early in kind of the draft talking points phase, and uh, I, I, I do think when you construct a big board, when you try to do a mock draft, uh, there are players at other positions who are more kind of concrete in terms of their potential as prospects, and maybe you don't have as many quarterbacks there. But you know this. You just, I mean, Ben, you know this. When we get to the draft, you're going to have four, probably four, maybe even five if it gets crazy. Quarterbacks go in the first round. That's how it goes. They're quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, I like Matt Corral. I agree with what you said. He's a guy that kind of plays in an, in an up-tempo or played in an up-tempo offense, has not only decent mobility, I mean good mobility. He was a playmaker on the ground. I think in one game for Ole Miss, he had five rushing touchdowns uh, in a game. So Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss used him as a designed yeah. runner a number of different times. Uh, I like Corral. I also like Malik Willis out of Liberty. Uh, I, I think he has a lot to offer. A uh, big, strong kid, obviously uh, can make all the throws, dual threat. I, I think he, you know, he won some big games. I think about uh, the the bowl game against Coastal Carolina a couple of years ago, where yet he and Grayson McCall going back and forth. Um, Sam Howell's there, Ben. I know you like Sam Howell a lot. Uh, I, I I think a little bit of inconsistency. Now the now the numbers are there, uh, but first round pick, I could see it certainly. Probably not top ten for me though. I think I think for me, Kenny Pickett is is the best quarterback, and he took kind of the slow route, right? Normally, you see these guys come in and maybe they play start and are and are stars right away, and then as soon as they're draft eligible, understandably, hey, they go to the league. Well, Kenny Pickett not only played through his senior year, got the super senior year, came back and got better and better each season. And when I look at quarterbacks, look, it's a comprehensive evaluation. Okay, so you're looking at stats, you're looking at tape. You're looking at, you know, you're talking to coaches. You're using every metric you can. But one thing that I like to look at is, did you win the big game? Because fair or unfair, quarterbacks touch the ball every play. They have more of an opportunity to impact directly what happens on the field than players at other positions sometimes. And when you're in your spotlight games, do you play well and do you win? And Kenny Pickett led Pitt to an ACC championship. And they very easily could have been in the college football playoff discussion. Remember, they lost an early season game to like Western Michigan, and in that game, Kenny Pickett threw five or six touchdowns, threw for 450 yards. So I, I look at Kenny Pickett, played Clemson, put up 27 points on Clemson, and beat Clemson. And I think that's a win that is a validator for, for Kenny Pickett. I look at Kenny Pickett, and I say, hey, you played in the ACC championship game. You had a great performance, and – uh, I know people talk about mobility. The play ended up kind of being controversial, but one of the more interesting plays of the year was a Kenny Pickett run in the ACC championship game where he had the fake slide. So I think Kenny Pickett has enough of that mobility. Uh, I think, obviously, he can he can make all the throws. Uh, I think he's played a lot of college football. He has that experience factor. Maybe uh, some more 
college football reps than some of the other guys. Uh, I do like Corral. I do like Willis. I do like uh, Howell. But I think for me, and there may not be a Trevor Lawrence, I agree, and Andrew Luck, you know, somebody of that stature perception-wise. But for me, Ben, I think Kenny Pickett and what he did this year, high proficiency, low turnovers, big performances in big games, I look at Kenny Pickett as my top quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, uh, Kenny Pickett is my top quarterback too, BJ, as you mentioned. I mean, wasn't a guy that everybody was talking about, but just by, just I mean, just went out there and just played his way. I mean, we talk about, you know, Pitt and put out some great quarterbacks, by the way. But I just think that when you look at a guy like uh, Kenny Pickett, he couldn't help the fact that he had Sam Howell in the same conference as him or, you know, uh, you, or you talk about DJU and those guys. And we didn't expect him to do he, – he we didn't expect him to be like the leader of this group. And because he wasn't a front runner going into the, you know, coming out of the offseason, going into the season, people, people expected him to have a, you know, uh, kind of have a really, really bad game. No, he, he played his best when everybody was watching. But I think, and, and BJ, you talking about Malik Willis, another guy at Liberty. Look, they won, they won a lot of big games. You freeze like, hey, why would he go to another team? Because I got a guy like Malik Willis. We still going out there winning big games. And I think Malik Willis is going to be a great player at the next level. Matt Corral might be the best of all of them because of what we talked about last. He has the ability to improvise. He played in a city. He, he already played in like an NFL system because when they putting together plays like Lane Kiffin does, you got to have a smart quarterback to do it. Not a tap, not just a talented quarterback to do it. But BJ, we cannot jump off the Sam Howell train. Yes. He's going to make, yes. He's going to make some bad throws, but that's trusting your arm. BJ, he put together a freshman season. We've never seen. Right. And, He's the only reason why, like, listen, if you're only watching the team because of a player, that's how good he is. We weren't watching North Carolina. They got this kid, Sam Howell, that put together a freshman season. You know why we don't care? Because Trevor Lawrence was in college at the time. What if Trevor Lawrence would have put up those type of numbers at Clemson? What would we be saying? When you talk about what the NFL is, it's Sam Howell. When you talk about what the quarterback position is becoming, it's Malik, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, Matt Corral. When you talk about efficiency, you talk about Malik Willis, but when you talk about a guy who you want to just put on the team, I don't have to be the superstar. I'm going to get the fanfare because I'm a quarterback. That's Kenny Pickett. So you got four different guys with different skill sets. But I will say this. Outside of the top 10 guys in the NFL, this is a huge drop-off. So we get to say, hey, man, this guy. No, no, there are a bunch of teams that could use these guys, utilize these guys' skill set. Jared Goff plays for the Detroit Lions. They send you there to die as a football player. <laughs> no one cares. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Josh Rosen has been on three or four teams. He was a top 10 pick. The hardest position to evaluate is the quarterback position because it's not just how you play. It's not just how you improvise. It's not just how, you know, you go out there and adjust. Who you got around you? You put guys around them. You put them in the system. I think all four of these dudes have top, you know, uh, have a uh, have first round talent on them. You know, because people listen when people say, "Hey man, he dropped to the fifteenth pick, slapping the face of baby powder." He was the fifteenth overall pick in the National Football League. If you get drafted in the first round, who in first round that we had? EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder, Blake Bortles. I'm just saying these type of guys went first round. You're gonna miss. You know why? Because you miss in the draft every year. Not just a quarterback. You miss all the time. But I. But I'm just saying, you might end up getting one of these guys that could definitely help you out. So I think all four of these guys are definitely first round work. Yes, I agree 100%. Uh, there's there's no way we get through the first round of an NFL draft in today's football and, and two quarterbacks go. I I think I think Pickett and I don't know what order they're going to go in, but I think some order Pickett, Corral, Willis, and and, and Howell are all going to be first round picks. And there are a lot of people talking about Carson Strong. 
out of Nevada uh, as well. Another, you know, G5, not small school, but, yeah. but, but, but G5 quarterback. Uh, I, I don't know that, that he gets into the first round necessarily. We'll see what happens in some of the, the pre-draft events. But I think Pickett for sure. I think Willis for sure. I think Corral for sure. And Howell was maybe the most interesting to me because you're right, Then he came in and that freshman season at, at, at UNC was just extraordinary. I mean, one of the great record-setting seasons production-wise we've ever seen. And the production was largely there this past year. But, you know, overall, North Carolina kind of disappointed this year for a a team that was in the preseason top 10 of a lot of polls back in the summer. And maybe it's fair, maybe it's not. But a lot of people say, hey, if the team doesn't quite uh, meet expectations, some of that's on the quarterback and some inconsistency, some turnovers. So the production was obviously there. But you weren't quite at the end of the year where a lot of people projected you to be. Whereas I think you look at the other programs, uh, these quarterbacks played for potential first-round picks. Kenny Pickett won the ACC. Uh, Liberty, one of the better, one of the best G5 programs in the country. Matt Corral, they made the Sugar Bowl. So I think maybe, I, I don't know how that comes into play, Kevin, but I think when you compare and contrast, yeah. that might be a talking point that well, emerges. I mean, I, I think the, the interesting part is you see mocks right now with Kenny Pickett to the Falcons. I mean, how often in today's game do you see guys drafted in the first round to sit, right? With New England, I it mean, was. Not often. No, I'm saying, with, even with a place like New England, it was, oh, Mac Jones, he's going to come in and. He's going to get to sit behind Cam Newton. Nope. I mean, how many guys have we seen? Even a guy like Blaine Gabbert, who had no business playing as a rookie. Oh, we're going to bring him into Jacksonville and sit. Game three, he was playing, starting, never never looked back. So I, I don't know if you're the Falcons, if you're wanting to draft Matt Ryan's replacement. If you think Matt Ryan can play right now, you're not taking him in the first round. You just don't draft first-round quarterbacks to have them sit anymore. Here's my you only, just don't. I mean, that's a counter, though, because I, I, most of the time I agree with you. Most of the time I agree with you on this, not in general, but certainly, but, but, <laughs> course, but yeah. with this argument. But I do think it, it. You look at the Atlanta Falcons, and you feel like you are one of the more consistent teams in the NFC over the last, you know, five, ten years. Sure. And you don't think you're going to be drafted in the top five and top ten very often. That would and, be the hope. And and normally, in order to get a top quarterback prospect, whether it's in a year where there's seemingly multiple can't-miss guys or in a year like this, Ben, normally to get a top quarterback, you have to dra- draft in the top 10. And I think if you're Atlanta, even if you feel like Matt Ryan has another great year or two left, to me, that might even reinforce the notion further that we don't think we're going to be picking here. If we come back next year and Kyle Pitts continues to progress and – Maybe we can get a defensive player uh, to go along with the young secondary we have in free agency. Matt Ryan has a, the offensive line play better at the end of the year. Maybe we feel like we're a 10-11 win team next year. And if you are, that means you're drafting 15, 16, 17, 18, and you're not going to get a top quarterback there. So I think if you feel like you're a relatively stable organization and you feel like it's an outlier for you to be drafting in the top 10 – Maybe that tells you, even though this guy's not going to play right away, we better draft the next franchise quarterback where we have the rare opportunity to because, quite frankly, we don't plan on being here very often in the future. Yeah, but but I, th- but I think you also drafted because, I mean, let, let's face it. I mean, Ben Rosenberger just gave one team 18 years. Eli Manning gave him, what, 17 years. Phillip Rivers gave one 17 years. What Matty Ice has more than done what he was supposed to do. You know why? He survived 13 drafts. 
The same guy has been there for 13, 14 years. And even if he's got a year left, it ain't a Super Bowl, right? You so I think that you go ahead and get him because if this is the guy you want, and let and hold on, and and, and I don't know why we do this either. Don't they draft multiple? They draft the same position guy multiple years. So just say you get let's just say you get Kenny Pickett. He's a rookie. He ain't paying out, right? Matty Ice comes back and plays the next year. They they in the top 10 again. You can get another quarterback. Like people, I don't know why you can't get yet. Yes, you can. I mean, you go back to when RG3 got drafted, him and Kirk Cousins was in the same draft on the same team. You have to, you have to give yourself the best possible outcome. Matty Ice has meant more to Atlanta than most teams, than most players can ever mean to a team that I've ever seen because nobody has had that pressure on them like Matty Ice. Took you to a Super Bowl, regular season MVP, lost to Tom Brady. How many people can we say lost Tom Brady? A lot. Only three guys beat him, and, and, and one guy beat him twice. So all I'm saying is, BJ and Kevin, you get the quarterback now because guess what? Who decides if it's a deep quarterback draft? Oh, it was deep last year. Say, say, says who? Because one of the five panned out? Because you drafted 12 guys and two of them was good? No, that doesn't mean it panned out. You get a guy right now because Matty Ice needs to know you're getting it ready to get out of here. Like Matty Ice, hey. You see this guy back here? It not not Josh Rosen, not Felipe Franks. He needs to know your time is coming to an end. So maybe we could. That's how you really get the best out of a player when he knows he's leaving. So all I'm saying is get a Kenny Pickett if he's there. Because like you said, Kevin, Kevin, I know somewhere Glenn Dorsey is saying there's a dude in Southeast Georgia, man. That dude loved me, man. <laughs> Glenn Dorsey. How long has Glenn Dorsey been out of the league? I know he was a recent uh, college football uh, uh, Hall of Famer, and, and rightfully so, but. When you draft a guy and he and he's been there over a decade, he's done what he's supposed to do, regardless yeah. of what it is. Hey, so I missed one. <laughs> we got more to come. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. This is Ronnie Brown, former Auburn running back, and you listen to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. Breaking news out of the SEC. Brian Harson is promoting Jeff Schmetting to defensive coordinator after Derek Mason announced he's planning to leave for other coaching opportunities. Uh, confirming to ESPN's Chris Lowe said he plans to explore opportunities in both college and or the National Football League. B.J., so Derek Mason not fired. Doesn't have another job apparently already lined up, but he's going to explore other opportunities. So I believe that's what Mike Bobo and now Derek Mason both out as the coordinators there in Auburn since the season has ended. Yeah, and a, a defensive coordinator, a promotion from within there with Coach Smetting at Auburn. But Derek Mason, one of the best in the game, uh, has done a has done a great job throughout his career as a defensive coordinator. Of course, former head coach of Vanderbilt as well. But I think that's a that's a big loss uh, for Auburn and. Uh, Brian Harson, I think, has some pressure uh, moving into the next season. Yeah, I mean, I think too often the times, Kevin and BJ, you overthink it. That's why you lose more games. You, it's hard to find good people. You just lost two great ones. Right, we've got more to come. Final hour, we will hear from Jermaine Wiggins, former Georgia and New England Patriots, tied in now with WEEI in Boston. We'll also look at some of these matchups uh, in the NFL. Could it be between two of maybe the best individual seasons we've seen in college football, squaring off in the pros coming up Tomorrow, we'll get to that final hour, three and out, coming up next.
Welcome back. Final hour of Three and Out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, BJ Bennett, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Plenty to get to this hour. We'll hear from Jermaine Wiggins, former Georgia and Patriots tight end. Uh, also won the Super Bowl with the Patriots. He'll join us coming up here in just a little bit. We'll pick the playoffs. Pick sure to go wrong. There's only four games, fellas, but we can find a way to not get it right still uh, coming up here in the playoffs. But uh, could we be seeing a matchup tomorrow, speaking of the playoffs, between two guys who had individually some of the greatest seasons we've seen in college football, that being Joe Burrow and Derrick Henry. Joe Burrow in 2019, nearly 5,700 passing yards, 76% completions, uh, 60 touchdowns in a college football season to just six interceptions, Heisman Trophy National Championship, and, of course, the perfect season there for uh, for LSU. Derrick Henry in 2015, he was cleared today, officially going to go for the Titans. 2,200 rushing yards in a college football season, 28 touchdowns. Heisman Trophy won the national championship nearly uh, over five and a half yards per carry uh, in college football. Unbelievable. And they both will square off on Saturday there in, as Ben calls it, the Nasty Nash. Look, it's going to be a great game tomorrow. Uh, it is, and and I think uh, the potential of both of these teams moving on or, or either of them moving on uh, is is going to help add to the legacy of, of star players like like Burrow for Cincinnati, Henry for, for Tennessee. But when I watch these guys, Ben, and I know they've been great pros, uh, I'm going to think about just the, the legendary college careers. I mean, when you think about Derrick Henry at Alabama – and Joe Burrow at, 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 at LSU, those individual seasons you mentioned, those are two of what? The best three or four seasons that we've ever seen, three, four, five in the SEC. And uh, Burrow setting the single-season passer rating mark, which has since been uh, broken, but a 201 passer rating, which we had never seen prior to his season. 60 touchdown passes? I mean, to go along with 76% completions? And what was most amazing about Burrow, too, was – not only was he doing it uh, in the games where LSU was a clear favorite, but he was doing it in the SEC championship game against Georgia. He was doing it in Tuscaloosa against Alabama. He was putting up fantasy football numbers in the first half against Oklahoma in the semifinal. What? Uh, absolutely went off against Clemson in the national championship game. So, I mean, big game Joe Burrow got that because of what he did during his career at LSU. And the numbers are almost unrealistic. Like Kevin said, over 5,600 passing yards. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And then Derrick Henry, I think only five players in college football history have had over 2,200 yards rushing in a season. He did it almost six yards per carry, 28 rushing touchdowns. And you think back to that season, Ben, everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew that Derrick Henry was about to get the ball 25, 30 times a game and couldn't stop it. People talk about a loaded box. I mean, you'd have everybody up there at the line of scrimmage, and there's Derrick Henry doing what everybody knows is coming, and you can't do anything about it. Uh, absolute icons. Uh, really enjoyed watching these guys. You know, enjoy watching them as pros, but uh, really enjoyed covering them in the SEC. And those are two of the best seasons I've ever seen in college football history. What Joe Burrow did uh, his last year at LSU, and what Derrick Henry did his last year at Alabama. 
Joe Burrow, Joe Smooth, Joe Cool, whatever you want to call him, BJ. I mean, when you talk about the numbers speak for themselves and the efficiency in which he played the game of football, I don't think you're going to be see a, a much better like season as far as like top to bottom. I mean, yes, you know, I mean, he had weapons galore with you know with Marshall and Chase and Jefferson and yet you know Clyde Edwards Alaire and Thaddeus Moss. I mean, he had, but he was he was a straw, right? He was a straw that stirred the drink. It, it, it came down to Joe Burrow. And that season is crazy. But this is the thing. Because of these wide open passing offenses, you got a shot to see that again. Because we've seen it, right, BJ? We like we, we were talking about these efficiency numbers, right? And the way that Joe Burrow, the way he went out there and did it. The reason why I might, the reason why I'm gonna lean slightly to Derrick Henry is something you said. Everybody knows what Alabama's game plan is. This ain't the this, this ain't the two years yet. They haven't gone to wide open offenses yet. This is five yards in a cloud of dust. But the thing is, if you are Nick Saban, you go, I got a guy that I think is better than your guys. Not, I got a guy that I think, how, how good, and, and people forget that 2015 season, Leonard Fournette, I mean, it, it was like, it was like, it was like, uh, you know, uh, Maguire and freaking Sosa. You, you had two guys, right? With different teams are doing it game in and game out. But the thing about the thing about Derrick Henry was people started saying this, dude, stop him. Like, you know what, you know what Alabama's gonna do, right? Took him all the way to the natty. SEC championship. So, BJ, what Joe Burrow did is well, listen, what Joe Burrow did is historic, man. It is. It's one for the record books, but it got a shot to see it again. What Derrick Henry's done. Derrick Henry has done it since high school. Defensive coordinators have been saying the same thing about Derrick Henry since he left, since he left Uli. Man, we got to stop this dude. We got to stop him. We got to stop him. Think about this. This same Derrick Henry is still top 10 in the NFL in rushing in 2021, and he missed most of the year. He didn't, he was almost at a thousand yards before he got hurt. So what I'm saying, BJ, is one guy had a plethora of, of talent around him. And I'm not blaming Joe Burrow. The other guy, they said, hey, man, every time we watch tape on this dude, he's the best guy on the field. What you mean, high school? So watch the college being a different. Both of them did in the SEC. Both of them, it was equally impressive. But, BJ, I'm sorry. In, in, the, in, the, in the times to where you need two backs now, sometimes even three, just to get the best out of them, one guy said, look, man, give me the rock, man. I'm going to take you all back to old school football. You know, uh, you know, I mean, five yards in the cloud, any any average almost six yards a kick. That's efficiency. Because people here, oh, we had 22. What is the average? Three yards, 5.5. How many touchdowns? 10, 28. What did he do? Oh, uh, SEC player of the year, uh, SEC champ, national champ, Heisman. All I'm saying is Derrick Henry has been the same his whole life. We certain people, BJ, we knew about him in high school. Most people got to see him in college, and now he's doing it on the pro level. I'm going to have to say it's Derrick Henry, man. It was just another year for him. Yeah, and coming back fresh this weekend. Hadn't been hit in a lot of weeks, Ben. How- legs, baby. He's going to be tired as hell, though. He's going to have to have a breathing machine on the sideline. <laughs> no, but I do think, Ben, I do think you make a good point when you think about what Burrow and Henry did in the SEC and maybe who had the better season. Uh, I, I think it's more likely moving forward, as absurd and record-setting as Burrow's passing production was, I think it's more likely that in the SEC we see a quarterback with 5,500, 5,600 passing yards, 55, 60 touchdowns than it is we see one running back 
with 2,200 yards and 28 rushing touchdowns. I mean, what Burrow did, I think the big game performances, uh, the numbers he put up in the playoff at Alabama, the SEC title game, I might lean Burrow if I had to pick one. I mean, both are iconic. I feel terrible going either direction. Uh, 1A, 1B, however you want to, or just a tie for first, however you want to say it. But I do think it's more likely that you see something close to Burrow's numbers replicated than something close to Derrick Henry. I mean, think about this. Most seasons, let's cut Derrick Henry's numbers in half. And you could probably do the same for Burrow, but I think it's more pronounced at the running back position. If you have a season in the SEC where you rush for 1,100, 1,200 yards and you have 14 rushing touchdowns, you're probably first-team All-SEC. You're probably the best running back in the league. You're probably getting All-American attention. Derrick Henry had double that. Now, to Joe Burrow's point, if you have 30 touchdown passes, that you're, you're probably in a similar discussion. Joe Burrow had 60. But I, I think it's more likely we see something at least close to what Joe Burrow did. Uh, you know, whether you know, it, and, and even, you know, you think about Tua, for example, some of his numbers, some of his production. I, I, I don't know that we're going to see something like 2,200 yards, 28 rushing touchdowns from one running back in the SEC. You won't, you won't, because it comes down to durability as well, right? So look, I, BJ, we listen. We talking about two guys that that did it at the highest level in the best conference, and they did it their way. Sixty ten. I remember when uh, I can't even remember the, uh, the quarterback from Mizzou that had the forty five uh, the forty five. Drew Lock. Drew Lock had forty what forty four forty five touchdowns. People were like, oh my god! But and then you got a guy to come out and give you almost you know sixteen. I mean 15, 16 more touchdowns and that win the SEC. And that's the thing about it is. People go, what did they do with those seasons? Both of them, you know, obviously one was the number one overall pick, while the other one, I can't remember, uh, you know, what round uh, Derrick Henry went in. But I think the difference is, BJ, one guy went to the school and knew I got to wait my turn. Derrick Henry did not come straight out of high school and start. He had to wait. They were showing him on special team. But when he got his opportunity, what you did, man, 28 touchdowns, over to over 2,000 yards, uh, Heisman Trophy, with the second, I mean, second Heisman Trophy winner behind, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Ingram. But, I just think that for me, it is, BJ, it's much harder. It is much harder to do something when everybody knows what you're going to do than to be a guy on the scene. Because Joe, Joe Burrow, that was the second year at LSU. People didn't think he was going to be that good. I was putting together a historic season. Everybody knew they finna hand the ball to Derrick Henry. And what? And ain't nothing you can do about it. What you mean? 2,200. I'm just saying, man, to me, it's Derrick Henry. Because guess what? Guess what they do in the NFL right now? Trying to find a way to shut him down. And I don't think he shut him down his injury. Because this week, Cincinnati gonna have to deal with that boy. I just think, I mean, you think about the just how freakishly big he is at running back. I mean, Ben, what was your your playing measurables? I was my playing man. I was about six five, about like two fifty five. So you're and he's, I, about, and he's six. He's shoot. I mean, he here. I mean, he about six two, six three, about two forty five. So he's ten pounds less than me. <laughs> and the thing is, he's a he's a. He's a battering ram, right? But he also runs away from people. You know why? Because I get because I need my shoulders at the football, and I'm getting tired of hitting this dude. And in an era of look, I, I, I yeah. think we all love throwing the football and the big numbers. But in an era of we're going to go four wide, five wide to see Tennessee line up and say, hey, first and ten, second and seven. Hey, we get a penalty. It's third and fourteen. Don't care. We're giving it to Derrick Henry, and he gets better as the game goes on. Fourth quarter, Derrick Henry is unstoppable, and beautiful to watch uh, to see a team just commit to that brand of physicality and I know you have playmakers and Tannehill's put up big numbers but I think you're going to see a classic effort from the Titans all right Kevin you got a 
tough. I mean, I, 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 I don't know I mean, there's the right answer. you got to break the tie. I'm, Better college season. I, I'm old school. I, I like guys that can run the football. And 2,000, I mean, just you think about that. I mean, how many guys has been said struggled to get 1,000 yards, and they played 17 games this year? And how many running backs? Did the Falcons have a 1,000-yard rusher and they played 17? No, I don't, no, no, I don't, no, I don't, no. don't think they did. And Derrick Henry, <coughs> Derrick Henry had 2,200 in college football, 2,200 yards. That's I know a great was, career. I know it was 15 games, obviously, for winning the national championship, but 2,200, this is the, the part that I think is really impressive. 28 touchdowns for a guy that does not touch the ball on every play. Like college quarterbacks, okay, 28, 30 touchdowns. I can see it. two touchdowns a game nearly for a guy that runs the football and you just chalk it up like, yep, he's got two. That doesn't happen. Even with teams that are, I mean, you go back to look at Army and Navy and Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech. You didn't have running backs who were just drop it, two touchdowns a game, and they ran the ball 80% of the time. And this guy had 2,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. That's truly unbelievable. I'm going to go with the guy that runs the rock all day long. We got more to come. Jermaine Wiggins going to join us, former Georgia tight end, New England Patriots tight end. Talking football with him next here on 3 and Out. Playoffs in the NFL continuing this weekend. We are uh, efforting Jermaine Wiggins, former Georgia and New England Patriots tied in. We'll look to chat with him coming up here in uh, maybe another 15 minutes here on the show. But we want to get to our NFL picks for the playoffs here this weekend. Doubleheader tomorrow, doubleheader on Sunday. Let's start with game one. Could be very exciting. We talked about Burrow uh, there for Cincinnati. Derrick Henry, of course, for the Tennessee Titans. First playoff win in 30 years last week for the Cincinnati Bengals. Ben and BJ, does Joe Burrow make it two in a row there for Cincinnati? Uh, I think I, I think it, at some point, Cincinnati with Joe Burrow will move on to the AFC Championship game, maybe even the Super Bowl. I don't think that's happening this weekend. I think you're talking about a well-rested Tennessee team uh, that, that had the bye week. You're talking about a team that at home uh, probably has uh, the better – the, the better defense, I would say, probably has the better offensive line, I would say. And the boost on the field and just emotionally that Derrick Henry's return is going to give to that squad is going to be big time. All respect uh, in the world for Joe Burrow. But I think I, – I, I don't know that this game is is that close. I think, I think Tennessee controls this game. The Titans defensively, Derrick Henry, that's just a devastating combination. And then I think – uh, Derrick Henry out of Uly, Florida. I think he has a huge game tomorrow, and I think a little bit of a uh, maybe a little bit of a letdown for the Bengals after a pretty good showing against the Raiders. But hey, for Cincinnati, that organization advancing the playoffs—that's a successful season. But I think doing it against the Raiders a little different than doing it against the Titans on the road. I think Tennessee wins and probably wins by ten or more. 
Yeah, the thing about this Titans team, uh, they are rested up when they're getting getting Derrick Henry back. Mike Vrabel doesn't get enough credit for how well of a coach he is. And the thing about the Cincinnati that's much different than than uh than his Titans team. Titans have gotten used to being in the playoffs. I mean, Mike Vrabel, all he knows is being in the playoffs since he's been the head coach there. I know that Joe Burrow and those guys are gonna make it a fight. I know it's gonna be a, a better game than most, but I just think that yes, yeah, the Titans with that defense with Simmons, Bayer, you know, and Dupree. And Landry and those guys, I think it's going to be too much. Plus, I don't know how big of an impact Derrick Henry is going to make BJ because he's coming off, you know, a, you know, he's coming off, uh, you know, a, a long injury. But I do, but I do think that he's gonna his, uh, you know, that emotional lift is going to be there. I think Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, and hopefully Julio Jones uh, are going to be more take more of a, you know, a, a starring role uh, this weekend. But it is going to be compelling. But I got them Titans. Yeah, game time temperature tomorrow thirty seven. 37 degrees for uh, the the ball game tomorrow. That's not uh, that cold in Tennessee. I mean, no, it? it's not. But hey, 37 degrees and with a 240 pound running back beating on you all day, that could get uh, get on you pretty quick. I, I think that's the difference. Is don't let if you're Cincinnati, you cannot let the Titans get a lead in this game because if they do, you know what's happening. It's a 22 train coming right at you. You either stand in front of it or get out of the way. And again. 37 degrees out there, I might be wanting to, as Ben say, make a business decision from time to time and hope for the best. I think the Titans get it done behind the running game. I think people forget, you look at Derrick Henry, they have other weapons there at Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill's not going to win any popularity contest amongst all these other quarterbacks in the playoffs. But Tennessee, at home, a week off, rested up Derrick Henry, give me the Titans, at home. Now, you go to the, the final game on Saturday night, Packers 49ers in a QB mismatch. Big time uh, there, BJ, Packers and 49ers. Yeah, I, I look, I, I think San Francisco's defense can hold it uh, close for a while. I think this defensive front is really good. But at the end of the day, I think it's hard to envision a scenario where Jimmy G and that offense keeps up with Aaron Rodgers and that offense. And look, you got Debo. I mean, he's going to be out there making plays, but I think that's right. That's right. And, and look, he was, he was fantastic uh, in Dallas, but I think that, I think that the difference is pretty significant at the quarterback position. And maybe, maybe there's kind of an element to the 49ers of, okay, it's been a successful season. We got in the playoffs and we won. Remember this was a team that thought they were changing quarterbacks. And uh, I, I don't know that, that they necessarily, uh, that all their fans and everybody thought they would be here at the beginning of the year. I think Green Bay, this is kind of the start of their season. They anticipated moving on and contending for a Super Bowl. I think Green Bay wins and, and wins pretty comfortably. Devontae Adams, they're going to have to find a way to have an incredible game plan for him. I know BJ getting Fred Warner back, and I think Bosa is supposed to be playing. You're going to have to find a way to get Debo the ball, whether, you know, just get the ball in his hand, whether through the air or on the ground. D'Amico Ryans. Former, you know, you know, uh, you know, former, uh, you know, linebacker for the Houston Texans. He is the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. He's going to put together a game plan. And another guy, by the way, who should be coming up, who should be getting head coach consideration is D'Amico Ryans. But I just think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's just one of those guys to where he just finds a way to get it done in Green Bay. San Francisco, to me, is a very, very dangerous team. I think they're good enough to go out there and get it done. But just they're more like the walking wounded. And the problem is – this Green Bay defense is going to try to force Jimmy Garoppolo to go out there and make a throw. I do not trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Green Bay at home, even you know them having a week off. Give me Green Bay. Yeah, no bigger home field advantage in the playoffs, especially than Lambeau Field. I love it because it's cold across America this weekend. Game time temp tomorrow at Lambeau, fellas. Anybody want to take a guess? 
don't know, what, 10? Aaron Rodgers, 12. Wow. 12 <laughs> degrees for the playoff game. And you're talking about guys coming from California. Got to go play in 12 degrees. Uh, that doesn't bode well. Aaron Rodgers, again, I think wins the quarterback uh, matchup going away uh, there tomorrow. So, Give me the Packers, I think, by a couple of scores yeah. over the 49ers Hold up, as well. 12 degree. Ben, what's the coldest game you ever – did you ever play in a game in the teens or colder? I, 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 have, I have played in the game in the teens. I actually played in the game in the teens at home. I mean, I don't know what was going on in Nashville. And uh, I was – you know, I'm getting ready for the game, putting my sleeves on, and I hear some <clears> – <throat> yeah, we're going to find you per sleeve. What? Per quarter. So I think it was like $250 or $500 per sleeve per quarter – and it was like, if somebody says, quote, it's not doing anything, this this little itty bitty little piece of it, it's not doing anything. But I'm like, man, it make me feel good. Take it off. <laughs> Come on out there and let's do it. Because, I mean, in a sense, it does. Now, you do want those heaters to work. I mean, we, gonna, we it's going to be a straight kumbaya session on the sideline. We're going to be nuzzled up together. But, yeah, you know, BJ, they, they listen. They pay you to deal with the elements, and that's one of the elements. So, hey, I mean, if you're a starter, you get to sit down. If you ain't a starter, you but you're on a Snickers team. Walk back and forth. Yeah. You ain't going. You ain't doing nothing for a minute. How 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 warm are those oversized coats? We see them drape over themselves on the sideline. Oh, they nice. They they nice. And, and listen, and, and 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 you know, back when I played, it ain't, it ain't really insulated in that cabin. It's like you just throw it on the fit. The inside feel like the outside, right? But now, man, it might be it might be some ostrich or something on the inside of them things, man. Who knows? It might have a little chinchilla. <laughs> We got uh, the Sunday games. This will be a lot of fun. Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, great quarterback matchup. This is in Tampa Bay. I don't have to worry about what the temperature will be there. I'm sure it'll be nice in uh, in Tampa. But Stafford finally got a playoff win. If you could bump off Tom Brady in Tampa, that would be a nice big resume booster for one Matthew Stafford if he gets it done. Uh, yes, and something I mentioned, I think, earlier in the season, If the and long way away from this, but if the Rams win the Super Bowl – I think you're talking about Matt Stafford as a Hall of Famer. Uh, when you look at when you look at his when you look at his production, his numbers, and then theoretically in this hypothetical scenario, you were to go through Brady and then uh, who knows in the Super Bowl, but get a Super Bowl. I mean, I think he'd be in the conversation. I think he'd be in the I conversation. Mean, I mean, he might. He might. I mean, Matthew Stafford has proven that you get a, you get a, you get a player because listen, you get players about a Detroit, they seem to play a little better. So yes, I do. I do. I do agree, Kevin. Tampa's going to have good weather, and I, I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be the stars are going to line. So we'll see what happens. I think Tampa uh, get, gets a big dub because you couldn't beat Tom Brady in the elements. Now you're giving him the sun. Now you're giving him warm weather. It's going to be Tom Brady. It's going to be it's going to be Gronk. It's going to be Mike Evans. It's going to be Devin White. But I will say it's going to be stars everywhere, though, Kevin. I mean, o, o, I mean Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you talk about Von Miller. I mean, you talk about you know you talk about guys like uh you know uh, Jalen Ramsey. Hold on, hold, hold on, hold on. How many Hall of Famers are on the field in this game? I, listen, Gronk, Tom Brady, Von Miller, uh, Aaron Donald. I still think Jalen Ramsey got some years to go before he be in that Hall of Fame conversation. I mean, BJ, you know who the dark horse is to be in as a Hall of Famer, and people don't want to admit it. Mike Evans, all he knows is a thousand yards every season he's been in the NFL, and he got a Super Bowl to go along with it. Devin White is on that track if he's even though he's very, very young. Adam against Sue. That's another guy that could potentially be, you know, on the outside looking in. And uh I will say Antonio Brown, but uh, he's probably doing an interview right now. He don't play football no more. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rams and uh Patriots are the Bucks, excuse me, the Bucks are two and a half point favorites. Uh Ernest Jones on injured reserve for the Rams, so not playing in this ball game, but 
Uh, again, his rookie season still making a his team oh, making yeah. a deep playoff run. Yeah, so. and I, my pick, I think it's a little closer than people think. Can't pick against Brady, but I think with the momentum they have, that defense, Stafford's going to make plays. That defense will keep them in the game. But at the end of the day, it's the playoffs. It's Brady. Give me Tampa close. That's unfortunately what I'm going with. Again, you pick Tom Brady until somebody beats them. That's the and, and most of the time you're correct as it's proven. Like most of the time you're correct. If you just go with Tom Brady, I'm going to go with the Bucks at home, knocking off the uh, the Rams there on uh, on Sunday. Sunday night, man, in terms of just straight matchup, maybe the best game of the weekend. Bills and Josh Allen against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs there on Sunday night. The Chiefs are a two-point favorite in this one going into, uh, into Sunday night's game. Going to be about mid-30s there for Kansas City and Buffalo. Both teams, I think, will be fine playing in cold weather, but this one... Should be fun. Oh, I don't think that's cold for Buffalo. I think, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's springtime. Like break the shorts out. Yeah, look, <laughs> this is the one to look forward to. I think on paper of all these matchups, this is the one that has the potential for fireworks to be a back-and-forth uh, crazy game. I think there's something about Buffalo. I do. And and Kevin mentioned that this is the, this is the season, the year in sports, where uh, teams that have historically not quite been able to get over the hump, they're getting over the hump. I know the Chiefs, look, you have to go through Kansas City. You have to go through uh, the – the, the team that's been one of the standards in the National Football League for a couple of year, uh, years now. But I think Josh Allen, Buffalo, they believe defensively. They're good. They're solid. They can run the ball. I think there's great balance to this Bills team. And they won in Week 5 in Kansas City. It's tough to go on the road and win in the playoffs. They have already won there in Arrowhead this season. They know they can do it. So, Ben, you, you always ask, are you confident or are you convinced? I think the Bills are going to Kansas City convinced that they can win. A little bit of an upset. Fun game. Give me the Bills close. Yeah, I like the Bills too. I like Kansas City always going to have a shot because I think that when you got a guy like Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, a Tyreek Hill and those Webbers, you got a shot. But the thing is, the Bills, they don't want to just beat you. They want to – listen – they want to put a stranglehold on you and not let go. I think this. I think this Josh Allen kid. He just he's built for the moment. And we talked about it earlier. Kevin can utilize his legs. Sometimes he's getting out of. Sometimes he's making plays with his legs. Him and uh, Stephon Diggs got that thing going. The thing is though, that tight end BJ. I'm just saying when you look at Buffalo top to bottom, they got the run game. They got the passing game. They got a good defense. They can force Kansas City into some turnovers, which Patrick Mahomes will throw it to you. Find a way to slow down. Travis Kelsey, because the, 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 the one that makes that offense go is Travis Kelsey. You find a way to slow him down, you got a shot. But I do like this Buffalo team, man. They're not a, they're not a, they're not a fluke. They're trying to show people that listen. They put the whole NFL on notice. They told Bill Belichick, "Get the hell out of here. You ain't we ain't dealing with you. Leave no doubt." I don't know the last time Bill Belichick was asked when he was going to retire, but I know he got asked last week. That's how bad they got beat. Giving them Buffalo Bills to move on, beating them Kansas City Chiefs, and like you say, Kevin. Because it's old saying, you the man, right? Yeah, because he beat the man. The man, he going to have on that red or whatever that look red and gold this weekend with that 50 note the chance. He got a dad by it. His name is Patrick Mahomes. Beat him up. <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel bad for saying this uh, because I, too, think Buffalo's going to get it done. It's been a year of people cresting mountains, and uh, Buffalo's had those teams standing in their way. They've been there, been there. They can't, can't be the seem to break through. If you're Josh Allen, you need to break through against one of these teams uh, in the postseason. I feel like this week could be the week. I feel bad that all three of us are going with the Buffalo Bills. That feels disrespectful that all of us are are going with Buffalo. And now Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs will probably win. But on this Friday, 
I will say I like Buffalo to pull off the victory and move on. Really like the way they're playing. I know you could question the way they played in the regular season with some ups and downs, the, the, the horrible performance against Jacksonville, but what they did last week, if they can carry some of that into this week, they're going to have a great chance to go out there and win a football game. So I will take the Bills uh, coming up on Sunday night as well. We've got more to come here, three and out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hello, this is Artis Gilmore, Basketball Hall of Fame. You're listening to 3 and Out with B.J., Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you back on this Friday. Kevin, B.J., and Ben, glad you are with us. Our next guest, former George Bulldog, won a national, or excuse me, a Super Bowl champion, uh, shipped with the New England Patriots. He's a tight end now with WEEI in Boston, Jermaine Wiggins joins us here on 3 and Out. Jermaine, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing fantastic. And uh, I know uh, up there in Boston, I'm sure the uh, Georgia Bulldog Party has traveled all the way up the coast after uh, a couple of Monday nights ago, Georgia winning that national championship. Yeah, you know, it gone all the way up here. There's some of us Bulldogs around here. So it was a, a great night, great game, you know, defensively. They did what, you know, I thought they were going to do, and it was all about how the quarterback played. And when you look at the way Stetson Bennett, he made the plays when he needed to make, the, make those plays. So uh, Georgia brings it back 41 years. So uh, it, it's spectacular to see them do it. Now it's about, all right, let's have this thing. Let's be consistent. Let's turn this thing into like how Alabama turned it into. And now start winning multiple national championships. Jermaine, what impressed you most about uh, the Bulldogs this season as they made history, like you said, got that first national title in over 40 years? Well, I think it was their their defense. You know, when you think about their defense, I mean, just think about how many guys have already uh, kind of, you know, said that they're going to put themselves into the uh, NFL draft. I mean, you know, one of the lo- local boys from up here, the, uh, Lewis Seen, who's from Everett. Uh, you think about the kid that, Nicole uh, Dean. I mean, it's just the talent that they had on that defense. And when you start to think about, like, how they were all season long, I mean, besides the hiccup against Alabama in the SEC championship game, I mean, they pretty much were stellar. And when you could put that type of performance together, uh, it's going to be hard to beat a football team. I don't care what level you're playing at. Jermaine, when you think about the tight end position at the University of Georgia, obviously you are part of that long pedigree, but you look at the freshman phenom Brock Bowers. This kid comes in with 6'3", 6'4", 230, and he's a weapon. I mean, when you talk about the running game, that's one thing for Georgia, but when you thought about the pass game in 2022, it was about a young man named Brock Bowers. Talk about what you like about his game with him only being a true freshman. Well, you know what the thing I like most is, like, his versatility, you know, the ability – to line up in a bunch of different areas to, to, to be able to run a multiple routes. You know, he's a guy that are, he shows he has athletic ability to catch screens and, you know, you know, make people miss. He can show that he can get down the scene. He can run the corner routes. I mean, that's something that's really difficult to do is when you can find a guy that's versatile and can do multiple things, you can line up, you know, attached to the formation in the traditional tight end position spot, run a little bit of play action, sneak him down the middle, uh, I think that's the one thing that really impressed me with him um, is his versatility and the fact that he's a, a, a true freshman and, and the fact that he's on a team. When you really think about it, 
you know, they don't have the greatest quarterback in the world in Stetson Bennett and they're a team that wants to run the football. Can you imagine if he went somewhere and, and it was a team that, you know, wanted to throw the football the numbers that he probably potentially could have? So, uh, you know, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg what you're seeing uh, with him this season. Jermaine Wiggins joining us here on 3-and-out uh, in uh, former Georgia and Tied in for the New England Patriots, won a Super Bowl, and Tom Brady's still out there doing it, uh, Jermaine, uh, with uh, with Tampa Bay. I mean, you look at a guy in his mid-40s now leading the league in touchdown passes. I mean, you played with the with New England. I mean, how, how unreal is this dude? Uh, it's amazing. I'm like, man, where was that TV 12 method when I was playing? <laughs> you know, I wish I knew about the avocado ice cream when I was playing, but I mean, for what he's been able to do, you know, a guy's 44 years old. I mean, he's still playing at an MVP caliber level. I don't see any slowing down in him. It's just, you know, but that just goes to show you how he takes care of himself. And, you know, you start to see nowadays, you know, not just in the NFL, but in all sports, you know, you got guys like LeBron James who, you know, spending millions of dollars on their body year in and year out, Russell Wilson. And if you do that and, you know, God blesses you and keeps you safe and you're fortunate enough to not have no crazy injuries. You're able to do what Tom Brady can do as far as physically. And then the mental part is, is something that, you know, he prepares for, you know, day in and day out. So it's spectacular that the guy's still doing it at this level at the age that he's at. We see a number of great quarterbacks uh, throughout the generations, but Tom Brady in the moment, pressure, spotlight, he's at his best. What do you attribute that to? You know, I, I think it's just when you think about Brady, what makes him so good is his just knowledge of the game, right? Because physically, he might not have – physically, when you look at his skill set, I mean, he's not – he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not a mobile quarterback. But his ability to just understand what defense are trying to do in front of him, his ability to know where soft spots are on defenses, how they play – and take advantage of that. And I think, you know, when you think about Brady and his success, it, it comes because of what he has between his ears, you know, and his mind. And that's the thing. And, and when you've got a guy like that, you know, I don't care how old he is, if he knows the game and understands the game and is prepared like Brady is, you're going to see, you're gonna, he's going to be successful. And I think that's the one thing that Tom does. And he just has that, in fact, you know, when the lights get bright, that's when he gets even better. And, I, and, you know, so you add that into everything else and you're able to see the greatest, not only quarterback of all time, but you can arguably say the greatest athlete of all time. And, Jermaine, when you think about even, even sticking with Tom Brady, when I think about Patrick Mahomes, you know, Kansas City, he has to play well. When I think about Green Bay, I mean, uh, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, he wants to be the reason why they win. When I think about Tom Brady, he doesn't care how you win. He just wants – to win, when you got a guy that's been doing it for that long, and he said, "Look, man, I don't care about getting MVPs. I just play that well. I don't care nothing about, uh, you know, getting Super Bowl MVPs. I just want to win it." The guy, a guy that's been in the game that long and that that efficient, knowing that he just wants to win, and he really doesn't care who gets the glory. How much, how much better does that make him as a player? Well, you, I mean, you know how it is when you got a guy like that who's willing to be selfless and sacrifice. You know, it only helps the team, and and I think the thing that you know that's one of his strengths, uh, but you also got to look at it. You know, you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, seven and nine as a football team before Brady gets there, and then he completely changes the culture. I think that's the biggest thing. It's it's the culture change. It's getting guys 
to buy in and believe. You know, when you have a guy that can change everybody's mindset, um, not just on the offensive side of the football, but the defensive side of the football, you know, that, that's something special. And I think that's the thing that Tom Brady has is, like you said, his ability – you know, winning is the most important thing, but you got to get everybody to buy into that. You got to get guys like Mike Evans to be selfless and sacrifice and say, you know what? Hey, I might not catch 10 balls a game, but I'm going to catch, you know, two or three in a Super Bowl and maybe one of those is a touchdown. I think those, those are the things that make Brady great is getting the rest of his team to buy in. You don't see, I wouldn't say many, but you don't see guys doing that. It's, it's rare when you can find a guy that has that ability like Brady, who can change the culture of a team. Jermaine Wiggins, former Georgia tied in, uh, New England Patriots tied in with WEI in in Boston. And Jermaine, so what is it like there in Boston with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? And obviously, you made the playoffs, but it did not go well uh, last week uh, for the uh, the New England Patriots. What's kind of the feeling? Are they they looking at Tom and, and Belichick saying, well, maybe it was a, a lot of Tom Brady there? Well, I mean, I think you got probably, you know, you got some fans that say that, then you got other fans who are impressed what Bill was able to do with a rookie quarterback. But we obviously know, you know, Brady and Bill are kind of tied together. So, you know, Tom is still playing. And now it's like, as Patriots fans, we're like, all right, you know, just making the playoffs is not something that we want. You know, we, we are not like other cities. We're not like, you know, Atlanta and Chicago and maybe New Orleans and some of these other places, you know, where – just getting to the playoffs is a success, successful season. For us, it's about winning championships and how do we get back on that mountaintop. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Bill Belichick to do is try to figure that out and what that needs to be, where he's going to have to make moves in the offseason, going out and get talented wide receivers on offense or you know maybe added to that defense. J.C. Jackson's going to be a free agent because we're not like any other place in the country. We we expect greatness, and we want to win. Chi- we want to win championships. It's all about the chips for us, you know. Some places they're just happy with getting into the playoffs. Jermaine Wiggins, our guest here on Three and Out. Jermaine, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Not a problem. Anytime, guys. Take care. Appreciate it. We've got uh, a lot more to get to here on this Friday. It's Three and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hey, this is Mike Hollis, the Jaguars' original place kicker, and you're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Oh, man, it's a good Friday here. We got NFL playoff games coming up for you all weekend long, a full weekend of sports for you for Georgia football fans. We got Duke basketball tomorrow uh, coming up on the, uh, on the air, 11.30 in the morning, so we got that. Be sure to tune in. What? Wait, wait, what'd you say? I said for our Georgia Bulldog fans, listen, we got Duke basketball on the on the air tomorrow. I mean that that's that's what they do, right? Like, look, they root for the they root for the dogs during football season, and anybody not named the dogs, I would in every other season. I was just making sure they knew their favorite basketball team was going to be on the air tomorrow. Oh man, well, it's not been a great year for the dogs, but or Kentucky or North Carolina. The, we could have substituted either one of those. 
But we do have Duke hey, all, tomorrow. All this, oh, all, all this. Oh, I grew up in North Carolina, so I root for no. You went to Georgia. <laughs> the young man that played in Florida that's rooting for Georgia. No, you're from Athens. You go like stop that. I grew up. But we we, nonsense, we will have Duke Syracuse tomorrow high noon. Uh, going for you for uh, for folks listening further down the coast to uh, Brunswick Waycross. We'll have both uh, playoff games uh, tomorrow and Sunday. And in Savannah, you guys will have uh, Duke and Syracuse. As I mentioned you'll have Georgia basketball three three oh five. Tomorrow we'll join the playoff games there in progress in both NFL playoff games on Sunday. We will have full coverage for you starting at 2.30 there on Sunday afternoon. So a uh, busy weekend. We've got some Hawks basketball coming up a little bit later tonight uh, as well. So uh, Hawks going for three. Yep, two in, in a row. A, no, three in a row. No, but they got two in a row. Yeah, yeah. They're looking for three in a row. Ben, here's what I want to know. If the Titans if if the Titans win this weekend, how, how – what – I mean, what's the population of Homerville going to be coming up on Monday? <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Ain't, ain't no population of Homerville. Listen, unfortunately, I don't have to wear tight stuff when they're good like one of us do when the Jaguars are good. And we no, got the we, number one overall pick. Again. Can't take listen, that away. Well, we can trade it. Hey, hey, listen, listen. They still improved. They just didn't improve, uh, you know, their draft order. Yeah, we did. We did win more games. You won yeah, more yeah, games, still no more pick. So, that, so, you, so there can be a subtraction by addition. Jags are on the right track. Don't have a coach. Well, you're on the right track. You're just on the wrong train. <laughs> well, uh, well put. What a way to end the week. Well said. If you missed any portion of today's show, ESPNCoastal.com or go to our YouTube page. You can get a podcast version of the show, uh, Apple Podcasts and others. So if you missed any portion, there's no reason you should. But if you did, you can catch it there as well each and every day. As I mentioned, Hawks basketball coming up a little bit later tonight as well. NFL playoffs, and we will have full reaction uh, coming up on Monday to all of that as well to who's in the conference championship games and more. For BJ Bennett, Ben Troop, I'm Kevin Thomas. We will see you on Monday. Thanks for listening. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network and online at ESPNCoastal.com.